Hey, what's up? This is Prince Paul, and you are checking out 11 o'clock comics. I think that is good enough. Good yes, enough. it's good enough. My nickname. GE. Oh, yeah. Price. Quiet and shit going in. We should be throwing bottles at each other. Who left this here? Fling it. Hey, watch, you're getting liquid on my comics. You asshole. Yes. Hey, everybody. 11 o'clock comics, episode 843. What? And I'm Vince B. Yeah, you is. I am David A. Price. Facts. And I, of course, am Danny Pooty. Wow. Mm, you're not Danny Pooty. You're Jason Booty. Yes, indeed. Ah. Oh boy, never again. Yeah. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what is that? I hear the little thump, thump of a beating heart in the background. Who this be? Well, it's me, uh, criti- critically acclaimed comic book darling Tony Fleece. <laughs> I like that title. Yeah, that's you hot. are you are a darling at times. Thank you. Yes, but everybody, Tony's back. What? Get that flag up in the air. He's back from his hiatus, his walkabout, self-inflicted hiatus. <laughs> and I, I can't believe I said no two times in a row. I feel awful. Seriously, uh, yeah, this time oh, yeah, we can believe it. Yeah, yeah. and it's not like. I believe the the reasons were a movie mm-hmm. and a meeting with your accountant. Well, yeah. flesh that out. It wasn't making a movie. It was watching a movie. No, yes. right. It was going yeah. to the movies. Yeah. Oof. But we well, still love them. Went to see. Oh, I don't even know it. It was Knives Out. The second Knives Out. Yes. Oh, Jesus! So Last Onion. Yeah. Yeah. You know that was on Netflix, right? You could watch it on. That's, That's where I he said. was watching it. I don't try and watch any of these movies on Netflix. I gotta go sit down in a theater because otherwise I'm gonna look at my phone. It it could be the greatest movie ever, mm. and I'll still check my phone. I need to be like in the like I have to be in a chamber where they all I can do is look at the the, the movie. That's You're true. too old uh, to have that ADHD. That's, that, that's, that's a young man. Good willpower, Hal. Yeah, I do not have it. I went and saw RRR in the theater this week because it came back for one screening. It's been on Netflix for months, and I haven't yes. watched because I knew I would. Not pay attention. Wow. That's Does the that benefit. Have seen The Harder They Fall? I have not seen it yet, no. But I oh do God, get so to see a lot of those Netflixes in theaters out here, at least. Uh, L.A. style. Yeah, so you saying, an, that's you, the you, benefit. You, are you an Academy voter? I am not an Academy voter, no. But I, yeah. I think I'm going to go to the Academy for a screening uh, next week and see Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, look at you. Lawrence. Yeah. Lawrence of Arabia. Remember that? <laughs> That's right. Of course. <laughs> no, you don't. That, that, oh my God. Uh, well, anyway, uh, the keywords are maximize, maximum, and maximo. What does all that apply to? Well, getting the maximum out of your comic book dollar in collected editions, trade paperbacks, and omnibu. Where the hell do you go? Where do you go? CheapGraphicNovels.com? Right, you, you are right on in. the ball, my friend. CheapGraphicNovels.com. You can make that money last 
for almost ever because they have everything you need at the price you want to pay. They're awesome. Get this. If you take us up on, you know, giving you the down low on where to go, where the prices are low. If you're a first time customer, right, you're going to get, uh, after you're making an order, you're going to get a confirmation in your email, right? They're going to say, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then you reply to it saying that you were referred to them, cheapgraphicnovels.com, by us, 11 o'clock comics. And guess what? Guess what? What? You will receive a free shipping credit for your second order. So here's the deal. First order, you buy about a pound worth of books. Second order, you buy a Winnebago. That's <laughs> how it works. Just go to cheapgraphicnovels.com because they have everything. They're the maximum. Le- I don't even know. I haven't fleshed it out yet, but it's some maximum something. You're, wor- you're working through. You're, you're, this is like Chris Rock going to the Laugh Factory a week before specials. You're working through the, the script. You're working to see what works, see what doesn't. <sighs> It's the pencil stage. Yeah. 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 The shipping on those cheap graphic novels.com uh, shipments are incredible. Uh, the the care and the the way they pack those books in, I've never seen anything like it. I've never it's seen unbelievable. a more shipment in my life. I, I ordered... Got, okay. No, I was just saying, I ordered three Berserk volumes, and they were individually wrapped, mm-hmm. like in the box. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Mm-hmm. I uh, had the worst shipping debacle ever this week. Uh, not related to comics. Uh, we, we were buying Holden a desk for his room, and I bought it from Wayfair. Mm-hmm. Right. So now I'm looking at the reviews, you know, trying to figure out like which one to get. And uh, a lot of the reviews are like totally great, you know. And then the ones that aren't, because you got to read both sides, are all like, yeah, you know, it arrived dented, or oh, you know, arrived box was pretty beaten up, or. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, whatever. It's 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 way cheaper than I was expecting to spend, and like, you know, it's for kids' room, so let's let's roll the dice. So I'm up here working, and and Beth buzzes me. She's like, hey, I think the desk came. She's like, but so I go down. There's a gigantic, like, rectangular box that you wouldn't think would be how a, a desk would be packed, you know, and it's it's wide open, like. It's open. It's just open at the top. It's and then I look closer. The the side of the box is like half ripped open. Good. So I I, I lift up the, the open lid, and inside the box is like first of all, it's ninety percent empty space, like not full. Which is you know like when you're shipping furniture, it's always packed, right? Like like totally fully packed. And then in inside the box are about a trillion pieces of what I assume was the original styrofoam that they used to package the desk, all broken into pieces. Mm. And then the the two pieces of the desk and then all the other parts intermittently like strewn about and all like collapsed onto each other. And I'm like, that was it. So I, after looking at it a little bit, I was like, well, what must have happened is at some point in the shipment process, whatever box it was in got ripped open and the contents spilled out. And, like, rather than just doing whatever I guess they would normally do in that situation, they decided to throw all of the stuff, including the destroyed packing materials, into a much bigger box that they just had <laughs> and that was not designed to hold the weight or the shape and just then delivered it to my house. I, I, I was like, why bother? Like, why not just not deliver the thing? Like, why not just say, like, oh, I got broken in transit? So, and, you know, it's, it's a motorized desk, so it's, it's heavy at AF. 
Um, so now I have, I mean, I, I call, you know, I got Wayfair to replace it, but uh, they're sending a replacement. But uh, but now I'm like, what am I going to do with this? They're like, oh, you just get rid of it. So I have like a 200-pound <laughs> box of, of random scrap that I have to figure out like how to get into my car and then throw away. It's baffling. You don't have to worry about any of that with CheapGraphicNovels.com. <laughs> you don't. Thank you, David. They wrap their shit right. Yeah. It's true. Cheap graphic novels is not Wayfair. I want you to work that into. No, the we've had shitty luck with Wayfair. We don't even buy from them anymore. Yeah, I can't think odd. that we've ever bought. I mean, I'm sure we have over the years, but I, I, I don't remember the last time if we did like what it was. But, but yeah, I, I this pretty much turned me off, and I have no confidence that the new one's going to come here in good shape. I, I we'll find out tomorrow. I got things from them at this new place. Fifty-fifty, uh, like some of it came fine. Yeah. But my table in the backyard does have a ding in it just from the way they packed it. Uh, Renee ordered a uh, a bookshelf cabinet and and it had two the two doors had panes of glass inside. One of the one of the glass was broken. They they sent the replacement um, of the of the piece, so, so that was fine. Uh, I'll I'll usually comparison between wayfair and overstock i think we probably have maybe picked up a few more things from wayfair over the years but yeah it 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 can be it, it instead of like they'll usually just ship it in whatever the manufacturer ships it to them in instead of actually trying to package it so that it arrives to you in a decent shape very catchy jingle though a plus jingle. <laughs> you just like kelly clarkson oh, yeah i do like her a jingle? Yeah, she's on the commercials. Yeah. Oh wow. And in in your bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, I am drinking uh, bubbly water, specifically key lime bubbly water. That's what I'm having, and I'm proud of it because it tastes good. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, I am drinking. Grapefruit seltzer. Shooter Jennings. <laughs> what he says after he says he's drinking bubbly water. No, I said choo-choo. after you said you're drinking that. I went with the finger guns and I yes, said Shooter Jennings. Oh, no, I heard you. Yeah, that's not that's not a diss to you. I was punctuating oh. it. Choo-choo. Gotcha. What, what, what are you drinking, Tony? Shut up. Oh, I'm having non-bubbly water. Uh, Splash Blast Wild Berry <laughs> from the Kroger. <laughs> like a seltzer, but without bubbles. The Kroger. Wasn't oh, he in Highlander? The Kroger. The Kroger. <laughs> the Kroger that's a, that's, that's, that's a good high food. Is that out in Napa? Did you get that on your trip to Napa? <laughs> what, 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 what did Tammy and Jocelyn get when you went out with them? What's happening? <laughs> What? what uh, he's making uh, shit up. Uh, never mind. I um, I do have a uh, again. I forgot the damn limoncello downstairs. So I have uh, I have a bottle of water to have after I finish this um, Brandon's gin and tonic. Uh, the gin is from uh, our good friend Caleb because it came all the way from Arkansas. Uh, nice. That gin sounds all right, but I'm excited for you to get to this water. Then we can just be four water boys. Just we, yep. we will be four water boys soon enough. Yes. You know what? Water boys. Milk and cheese say about gin makes it makes a man mean. 
I was going to say, if it's milk and cheese, they're complaining about something. No, they say gin <laughs> makes a man mean, and beer is poor man's rocket fuel. Yeah. Because uh, Dorkin made a set of coasters at one time, and uh, we had them hanging in the office, and those are the two I remember. Gin makes a man mean, and beer is poor man's rocket fuel. Yep. Smart making those coasters. It is. They're cheap. You bang out a coaster, no problem. We have 11 o'clock comics coasters. We don't even sell them. We should. Half the Kickstarters I get come with a coaster for no good reason. I just, right. Or a bookmark. Yay. Thanks. Got a Cyberforce coaster here somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of Cyberforce, mm. what's this thing you got <laughs> going on now? This, this local man stuff. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have, I guess it does have a little bit to do with Cyberforce. Oh, a little bit. A little bit. In stores now. Uh, it just sold out. We're going back to press. Uh, second printing's coming out uh, in April. It'll be on FOC on Monday. I wonder what the cover looks like. Hmm. <laughs> I sent you guys a look at the cover. Oh. Uh, the cover for the second printing is actually the cover that we did for the pitch uh, way back in the day, like pre-Stray Dogs, I think. Um, me and Tim Seeley put this book together, and we pitched it way back then. Uh, and we've just been sl- sort of slowly putting it together until now, and now it's finally out in the world. Um, but it's a book about a former, uh, basically like '90s image comic superhero, uh, who's now fired and and disgraced and sent back to live with his mom and dad in his hometown, where everybody hates him. Um, and the, there's mystery afoot. Things are going on in the in the small town of Farmington that uh, our hero Jack has to figure out what's going on without using his superpowers or his super identity or any of that stuff. So it's sort of like a a post '90s image noir book. Yes, because he'll get sued if he uses his, his powers. Yeah, yeah. We did one of those things where the where he works for a, a superhero team that's like a corporation, and so they have all sorts of rights reserved. He's not allowed to do any of his super stuff anymore now that he's not on the team. And part of the mystery is how come he's not on the team anymore? And what's going on with that? Oh, well, I know why he's not on the team. Anymore. It seems like he pulled the, the deep. Even, yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, the Boise type stuff going on in this. Uh, although, sadly, I feel like they got to uh, crawling inside somebody's penis and blowing them up before we did. So, <laughs> it's, <laughs> we a, it's a it's a real fear. It is. Yeah, I I know every writer in comics just threw down their pens that day. <laughs> it was just like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's some sort of romantic entanglements, some some Jada Pinkety type entanglements going on. Um, nice in this guy's history, and uh, and yeah, we're gonna sort of get to the bottom of that. It's not what anybody expects, I think, so far. So that's been fun to sort of watch people's reactions and if they have guesses as to what's going on. Uh, it's fun. It's been a little while since I had like a new comic out there, so it's been fun to see people's reactions to it and see reviews and stuff like that. It's been cool. Awesome. So the uh, sellout's got to be good news. I was going to ask you how, how the first issue did, but presumably since you're going back to print, it did quite well. Yeah, it did good. I mean, we sold all of them. Uh, so, yeah, now we're, now we're going to print some more, and we'll see how that goes. It's it's interesting. Uh, like, we're in a recession, obviously, so it's not – like, sales aren't like like they were when we were in, like uh, – uh, you know, 2020 COVID times when people had stimulus money and stuff like that. Shops are being more conservative with their orders. And I guess the model sort of is right now, like order conservatively, 
sell what you got. And if you need more, order more. Image will print more. So, like, for a while they weren't doing second printings, uh, but now they are again. So it's sort of just sort of like uh, almost print on demand, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's good for shops to keep a whole run of a book because a lot of the shops I talk to, you know, it's so much easier to hand sell something when they've got, you know, one, two, and three sitting right there rather than going like, well, here's issue two. So, so yeah, we're excited that it's going to be available for people to people that haven't checked it out yet can jump on and, you know, shops can sell one and two together. They'll be both sitting there. It's exciting. Are you working on this? Like still, or did you guys finish it and they're just releasing it? Like uh, you- we're working on still. I was writing today. Uh, t- Tim sent in his draft of issue five, and I'm doing my pass on it. So I'm just I'm finished. I'll basically finish that tonight after we finish. Um, and then I'm drawing four and five. Three is done. Two is off at the printer. And uh, and yeah, I'm just drawing. It's a little tight, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll be okay. Tim's stuff for issue four is already drawn, uh, and that's a that's a bunch of pages in issue four. And then issue five, we haven't started on yet. What's the um, what's the collaboration like? Is it? I mean, is is do you both sit down and 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 you want to do something? What 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 he's doing now that he's back home? With the, or is it is it Tim who's kind of just like running things and then you're drawing the stuff of, of our hero at home uh it's super super collaborative cool. uh, it, it's actually been like really fun to work on because basically the way it works and and like getting into it i my goal was like a i want to learn how to do this art style like i want to take this out for a spin and see if i can make it work in comics and b i want to work with somebody uh can just crank and make comics, you know, and Tim definitely can just make comics, you know, like I always feel like I'm sitting around, you know, you know, like ruminating on an idea for, for years before I, before it sort of just comes out of me. Um, and so like a big part of this collaboration has been just learning how to just go like, okay, well let's get it started and then figure it out and sort of, you know, move stuff around and, and just like the, the act of actively making a thing rather than like sitting around thinking about it and planning it forever. Um, and, and then, and seeing that there's like the same way that it would come out if I thought about it for 10 years and then had it all worked out in my head and put it out. I, I have those same instincts and skills just as a storyteller to, to be able to massage stuff like as we're making it. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, uh, like just getting the thing started and then and putting it together and making it as we're going. Uh, but I don't know. It's it's an interesting. It's an interesting way to work. It's it's sort of it's different from how I've ever done anything, and it's sort of instructive and uh, and it's given me like a a confidence that I that I haven't had before, nice. which I'm which I feel good about. But yeah, well, the collaboration like we write this thing together like we'll sit we'll get on the phone and we'll we'll go through it sometimes one of us will type up like a rough outline and then tim usually will do the first draft um and then i'll take a quick pass on it or sometimes a longer pass on it but we we sort of like talk through the whole thing a million times and then it's just sort of like figuring out how to how we're putting the pieces together and then art wise you know i'll go and do my part 
and Tim will go and do his part, and then then we'll pass pages back and forth when it's like, I think it'd be cool if Tim drew this panel, or, you know, like what if we had something from the other side pop up on Tim's side? So it's it's just real collaborative. There in issue three, um, like I was finishing the the line art, and Tim was like, I want to do this two page coda, like I feel like we should put this ending thing on it. And I was like, I don't think we have time. Uh, and like, I shoot reference for this stuff, so like, I would have to go, you know, go out and gather reference and stuff. And he was like, What if I just draw it? Like, what if I just pencil it rough, and then you can just ink it, and and like, I think it'll look just like it. And so we did that for this two-page thing at the end of issue three. And sure enough, like, it looks like the rest of the book, but it's like, you know, like, it's sort of like you don't know where one hand stops and the other one picks up. It's pretty fun. Maybe you've evolved as a creator to the point where all of the wishy-washy, quote, bad ideas, you are, your, your instincts have improved to the point where you're just like, no, this is what I'm going to do. You, know, you are more confident, right? Because you're not the same creator you were five years ago. Oh, for sure. So yeah. the Dave Sims, 2,000 bad pages, you've already burned through all those. No offense, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> that no you're experienced you're you're more far more experienced than you were uh and now it's all the good stuff that comes out of you so you don't need to take three years coming up with a pitch yeah i'm very i'm not very but i'm i'm pretty confident as a storyteller now and and that's something yeah. that that really only comes from from doing a, you know a million pages like that right and to the point where like i was reading stuff for the show this week and i was just you can look at it and you see like even if this is a genius, if this is some of their early stuff, you sort of see like, well, I wonder why they chose to focus on that panel and not this other panel. Or like, mm -hmm. sometimes people, you can tell like they were just sort of like going panel to panel rather than like planning out a whole page. Or like I've read, I won't say who, but there's a there's a current book coming out where the where it just seems completely random why people are in different sizes and different panels you know like important <laughs> will happen and it'll just be like a, a silhouette or like a tiny person or you're just like what is happening here like <laughs> you sort of really learn how to get the most impact out of a page and prioritize stuff and, and stuff like that like i don't think i'm making a perfect comic book but i definitely am confident about being able to tell the story the way we're doing it nice as far as the collaborative uh process goes did you ever get to a page um where you have it um in the script maybe roughed out and you're just like yo prince adam this is my page i'm doing <laughs> this page like you want to tell him like this is going to be a, a a beautiful page would be yours because it's it's in the 90s pastiche thing but you're just like nah i'm doing this did you ever butt heads on picking panels no, I, or <laughs> i still hate myself way too much for that i would be way quicker to go the other way just because i'm so like you know i like the whole book is basically about me being a, a big nineties dork. And so, and Tim can draw like that. So to me, it's like he has a magic power or something, you know, I'm just like, yeah, if I could just get him to draw the whole thing, I would, I would be just fine with it. No, that's, that's not, then no, stop, stop. Do you ever call him Prince Adam? I think you should. I, I have never, I colored a, we did a He-Man thing together recently though. Uh, where, cause we, we've been collaborating on all these covers and stuff. And he was like, uh, I really like the way you color my stuff. Could you do this He-Man cover? And so I did. I got to color some Prince Adam with him. You neat. got a, a Masterverse c cover coming up? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
Excellent. I don't know what issue it is. I just know that Dark Horse, uh, Dark Horse paying incredible rates right now. A word? Yeah. Nice. I don't know what's going on over there. Maybe that that selling out to that giant. I was uh, going to say they got yeah. Uh-huh. He's got money floating all over the place. Dude, I hope your mortgage isn't with uh, SIV Silicon Valley Bank, bro. I don't, I don't believe so. <laughs> nice. And in sight for this series, or you're just going to... Uh, well, I mean, we're planning it as an ongoing. It's It sort of all depends on sales. Uh, you know, like if it takes off and, is the, and, and sort of gets some wind in its sales, uh, we'll keep rolling for a long time. If not, you know, we'll do five issues and then in a trade and then see where we're at, you know? Tomorrow. Like that's the that's the realistic version of it. We know like exactly what arc two and three is, but it's just a matter of, you know. See, that's where uh, I was going. I knew you had something in in the pot. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. the uh, what, oh, what's the? I'm oh, no, sorry. What, what's the? Um, do you guys know what the feedback is from some of the other folks at Image? Uh, we I haven't heard any. You mean like the people that we that we reference and stuff like that? I haven't heard any of that type of stuff. I know the like the publishers like it. Like I know Stevenson likes it, and the, and the the gang at at Imager are behind it. Good. Uh, yeah, Stevenson's funny because I like the same way that I that I'm impressed that like Tim Seeley, whatever else he's done, I'm just like he drew Wildcats. That's so cool, you know. And so Stevenson, he was he saw everything, you know. Like he was there at Extreme, you know. He like he wrote these books and 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 sort of like was there watching all this stuff happen and. So I'll just say stuff like in emails, assuming that he'll know what I'm talking about. And he's, you know, a million miles away from that now. He's he's not thinking about, you know, shit that happened in New Men or, you know, Berserkers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I'll just be like, I, like when I when we first started working on the book, I was like, oh, he's going to be in the know on all these. things. Or sometimes he'll be like, he'll try and tell us things about early image. Like he there was a. Uh, Early on, Crossjack has like X's all over him, and Image was like, uh, "Are you guys sure about this? Because I feel like we're gonna get like a cease and desist or something." And uh, and we we're like, "I mean, that's I feel I can't think of anything more Image than if the X Men called and told us we weren't allowed to use the X's, you know, <laughs> that like because Stevenson's like, you know, early on, Rob was gonna call his first book the Executioners." Uh, but Marvel sent him a letter and told him that he couldn't. Oh, so boy. Then yeah. young boy. I was like, who are you talking to? Like, duh. <laughs> of course I know about the executioners. I have the, the ad that said executioners memorized in my brain. <laughs> it's like, they're not X's, they're pluses. It's just it's the way he's problem. moving. It's Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Plus Jack. Uh, plus Jack. <laughs> Why didn't you think of that? Uh, but yeah, local man's going good, man. It's fun. It's fun to be, you know, making something. I'm, I'm making a bunch of things, but this this is my sort of focus right now, and it's it's fun to have have something coming out new. You know, it's been a little while. You feeling good about the like? You feeling like the house is home yet? Yeah. No, I uh, I'm pretty happy here. Can you hear my dog scraping around over yep. there? It's cool. Too- hey, buddy, calm down. <laughs> what kind of dog? Baxter, he's a, a English bull terrier. He's a yeah. real maniac. I gave him CBD treats before this started to try. Well, nice. Yeah, me too. Well, uh, how long do you have him? Uh, he's my divorce dog, so I've had uh-huh. him a few years, a couple since the pandemic, I guess. Okay. Yeah. He's a good chilling. Boy. Nice. He is a very good boy. He's in the if you uh, 
if you read my book Stray Dogs, he shows up in the in the back of the first issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell me about that. I've never heard of that book. <laughs> oh, you should ch- listen. Eleven o'clock readers, I'm sure you haven't uh, <laughs> heard about this book yet. But Stray Dogs, it's about a serial killer that collects trophies from his victims that are dogs. <laughs> it's told from the dog's point of view. It's available at all bookstores and on Amazon. Cheapgraphicnovels.com has it. You bet. They don't know the comic. They just know it as the EOC 2022 logo. Oh, that's right. Yeah, those dogs. It's still my logo on my phone for some reason. It hasn't updated. No, yeah. Oh, yeah for boy. some reason, for some reason, Apple has changed the way. If, if you listen, if you go through pretty much almost any other podcatcher, um, you'll see the new one. But yeah, a- Apple still showing the old one. So no. weird. Why is that? I don't know. Because it's, everything else, it, it, it's it, it's behind the scenes stuff. It's just, it's one of those things where like we, we make like some changes on Libsyn and then it, it trickles down to other sites, but not, it, it's, I don't know. I, I, I don't know logistics behind it all, but I, yeah. I, I still have to, I, I've, I have the website open. I just have to figure out what the hell I need to do with Apple. I think, it, I think they need an enema. Yes, just, just like, like this town. town. That's right. Boom, boom. Jigs. That's why I said that. Yes. So I got to admit, Tony, it, it's it's breezy. It's a lot of fun. It's um, I love this this reality you guys have created. Oh, thanks, man. I I was thinking before the thing started. I wish I would have sent you guys the second issue before before we oh, got on. That would have been cool. Yeah. That would have been really nice. Yeah. yeah. I'll just have to come uh, back. This guy. <laughs> yeah, okay. He said, assumingly. Because you're not used to doing press, but I feel like every other day you're doing some podcast or some con or some signing. I feel like you're out there, man. I was super out there when the book came out. I did, I think, uh, like five signings that first week all over all over L.A. Uh, and then, yeah, I was on wh- whatever, wherever they would let me go talk about the book I'd go on. Did you see when I went on Comic Art Fans? Yeah. I mean, I saw that you did. I didn't. Like I didn't participate. Check that. I'm showing off my my collection. There's exciting original art stuff in there. So, you know how someone that does heroin, you know, like it's 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 uh, once they stop doing heroin, they really shouldn't associate with other heroin users or yeah. be yeah. invasive. Yeah. That's uh, where I'm at with the original art right now. I'm I haven't gone to calf in like two months. Oh, are you on the wagon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. college or something? What's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Double double college tuition this year. Are you on the wagon? You hear a bunch of artists weep. No, <laughs> dude. I so, like. I was. I mean, cry, smallest violin ever. But you know, work's been stressful. But again, as you, whatever, it's fine. But uh, but you know, so I've been like less jovial than usual, and uh, <clears throat> and oh, relax. And uh, <laughs> my dude, I know. And um, and like I get. I get it right. Hit up from the guy who handles Alan Davis's art. He's like, "Hey, Jason," because uh, because he, you know, I have a, I have an Alan Davis commission, and then I missed the list the the list after that. I missed it, and then, but he was like, "Oh, you know, you I'll, I'll definitely put you on the next list because you know you're you know, you're already you're a return customer." I'm like, "All right, great," and that was you know months 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 ago. So he hits me up. A week, two weeks ago, hey, the list is opening back up. You know, you have dibs. What would you like? And I'm like, I'm out, bro. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm on hiatus this year. And he's like, oh, okay. Like two days later, Caden sends me sc- scans of of the last few Robert Kill X Force issues because they are resplendent with Domino Beast and Sage, uh, you know, art. 
three of my favorite characters, and I'm like, Ugh. and they're like, just let us know which ones you want, and I'm like, all right, and I'm like, I, I'm not, I don't want any of them, and they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and then I basically had to tell all the all the reps, you know, like, hey, I'm not I'm not in this commission game because you know they're all they're all used to at this point of you know basically giving me like the heads up the dibs, you know, like, hey, we you know do you want it right? And I'm like, ninety ninety percent of the time, the last five years, I've said yes, so I'm like, I'm out. I'm like, assume I'm out. Like, don't don't count on me. And they're like, oh, it's been rough, man. It's it's not it's, it's nowhere near as fun. I'll tell you that. Much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm going through the same thing with this house. I mean, when I bought this place, I was like, I kind of have to. I can't make any sort of major art purchases anymore. Yeah. So I'm I'm sort of although uh, eleven o'clock or Johnny McCloskey hit me up when the uh, what's that auction that happens every like it's always going Comic Connect. That's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, he he. There was a bunch of extreme stuff in the last Comic Connect, and he he hit me to it, and so I I cheated a little bit. I'm you had a cheat day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had a cheat day. Well, that's like I found. I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, it's Alan Davis, but then I'm like, well, wait a minute, no, no, this doesn't make sense. I'm like, it's February. Like, I want to take the whole year off. It's February. <laughs> what the time it was February. I'm like, that is pretty much like saying you're going on a diet and then like eating like an entire pound cake like eight days in. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. And I'm like, and on top of it, I'm acting like, oh, it's just one thing, but like, and Alan Davis is equivalent of like fifteen other things, <laughs> like in terms of price. So it would have been, you know, it's two grand. So it's like, okay, well, no, I, I, if I do that, then I'm not actually taking the year off, right? Like, if, like, because then it's like the floodgates open. So I feel like if it happens in like October or something, then then you know, come on, listen, we'll see, we'll see. Tony, I told him, I said it's it's going to be interesting to see who doesn't drop them like a hot potato. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm sure I'm, Cause, I'll be, dude. It's already happening. Like it's because yeah. literally, uh, I mean. Like and again, I'm not saying it's like is it like a, a a flex, but literally any rep that routinely does commissionless for their for their artists have for the last bunch of years proactively hit me up, and I'm not the only one. I mean, it, but but hit me up before the list and said, hey, we're doing a list. Are, do you want in? Right? Because they know I'm a yes, and it gives them cost certainty. I have told them all no, and I've seen a bunch of them in my emails or on, on, you know, online put up lists where I had no idea they were coming. Like I'm already, I'm already like, they've already written me off. Already it's like, like oh. when MC Amber stopped handing out the candy, you lost the posse, you know? Absolutely. No, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, we'll be and, there and it's you. one of those things where like the second I'm back buying, I'll be back in. Like, it's not like, you know, that I, I'm, but yeah, right, for right, now right. I'm persona. It's like, uh, you know, professional athletes say that, uh, if if you're hurt, you're not on the roster. Like in how so it's next man up. It's how it is. They're like, all right, well, we'll see you when you're back to to buying stuff. Yep. Well, how long until Holden goes to school? You got a little break. In Dude, between. relax. You're gonna give me a heart attack. Uh, <laughs> no, I, so so th- this year, Collins a sophomore. So so for the next two years, we'll have two two kids in college at the same time. Then. The two years after that, we'll have Jackson in college, just him. And then right after that, Holden will start his four years. Mm. So I've got – I'm two years into a decade of tuition payments, but these next two years are the double dip. Yeah. They're, the, they're the 180 grand per year, two years. So. Are you now, telling me your kid goes to regular no-tuition school? Wait, what? <laughs> wait, say that again? You're saying Holden goes to a school that is like a public school? My kids always, yeah, my, all my kids went to public school. Oh, all right. 
That's why I live where I live. Yeah. Our, I mean, I, my, I pay substantive property taxes in no small part for the so that I could send them to public school. Yeah, very good. Nice. Well, good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah, bro. That's right. You know what? I can, I'm I, like I'm good. I, I have I have a Tony I have a Tony Fleece Domino that he that he basically ended your commission career, which with perfection. I have a Alan Davis Beast. I'm good. What else do I? I don't need anything else. It's true. Exactly. We don't exactly. need anything else, and yet we still want. Well, as you guys know, I. I as much as I'm really committed to sticking to this high artist, I failed at the toy, the toy artist, <laughs> the toy, the toy already. So yeah, but let's be, let, come on, be re- realistic. The price for all those toys was oh, less sure. than one commission. No, I know, but 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 the difference is, I look at my art like every day, right. lovingly. I mean, I have literally in my closet, my bedroom are 150 COVID-related toy purchases that are. Sitting mint in box unopened. <laughs> time, to, time to open them. Start playing. I, I don't have anywhere to put them. I don't have anywhere to display them. Oh, my house is small. It's it's, it's <laughs> fine. Oh my, god. oh my god! <laughs> Moving this last time really broke me of the toy thing. I I would I was real. I had an itchy trigger finger when it came to Star Wars figures. Like I I bought Star Wars figures of shit that I didn't even care about. Like I bought. Uh, was that cartoon that came out after Rebels? I bought all those things. Oh, Bad Batch? No, 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 no. Uh, Resistance? Uh, the one that was about like racing? It had that weird song. Oh, shit. oh, I didn't watch it. Uh, yeah. What are you looking for, Tony? Like Nothing. vintage, vintage. I got all those. When okay. I when I moved though, I put all the Star Wars toys in like big tubs to move them, and they're just still in the tubs. And yeah. so then somebody, a buddy, will be like, "Hey, I'm getting this. You want in?" And I'll just be like, "Yeah, I'm all right." Wubba lubba dub dub dub. Ah! Oh, no, he did it. Oh yes, I did. God. Yes, I did. Oh. Ah. No segue? No, 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 no. Later. Oh, we don't want to get. Right. We don't want to lose Jason. But That's true. Oh, God. I told. Well, listen, I, if there's ever a week to talk about Rick and Morty, it's the week that, that Tony's on. Right. Tony, <laughs> did you listen to the last episode? I the show with you. What happened? Did you what listen? Well, I didn't hear him. I said, yeah, you got two Rick and Morty artists here on the show with That's you. That's right, yeah. But did you listen to the last episode? Mm, no. I said, and David agreed with me that's a little bit, that when you're excited, you sound a lot like Rick. <laughs> really? Yes, you do. Nice. It's this episode. I didn't know and, you were talking about me like this. Well, we always talk about you. And now, when I'm watching the actual show, I hear you coming out of Rick's mouth instead of Rick. <laughs> Well, I mean, so it, I guess that's good. I'm, I'm not nearly as problematic as that guy. No, but the the the, the cadence of your voice and the, the the you're in the same acoustic range as as Rick is what I'm saying. And you got the little thing at the end of your voice sometimes. I'll, we'll we'll talk about it. I got but, a little drool coming off. Why don't you guys just jump right into that? <laughs> yeah, you drink it's a weird to segue too. and then segue out so that you segue back in later. Like, uh, no, I I read. Uh, uh, Where do you let's go? Yeah, not, yeah, did you read the uh, Rick and Morty versus Cthulhu? No. Oh, Tony. Did, did David? Probably not. No, he. I. I, I didn't yet. No. I talked about it before. It's. It's. Yes. It, it's just a, a wonderful celebration of the shit heel that was Lovecraft, <laughs> and they make they don't make any bones about it. Like Rick will say multiple times an issue, Lovecraft was an asshole <laughs> and, and a racist and a fuck. But man, could he write? 
And it's true. It's really true. Um, it's written by Jim Zub, illustrated by Troy Little. And, uh, yeah, me too. Um, uh, color art by Leonardo Ito. Crank does the letters. Of course, it's published by Oni. Rick and Morty versus Cthulhu number three is a Rick centric issue. Morty's not even in the thing at all until maybe the end. I don't even No, It's not Morty at the end. It's someone else, but, uh, it's just Rick. And in the first, um, page, he's commanded to blow his own brains out. Takes a ray gun, pew, and, and just splatters his brains. Uh, and his mind is sent screaming across, uh, the existence. And, and it, the, the, his, his being his, finds a vessel in the body of a yith. Have you ever read any Lovecraft? No. Well, the yith, the great race of yith, are these uh, creatures that uh, are in the shadow out of time story. In the original story, the great race of yith escape the destruction of their home world. They can project their consciousnesses across time and space, right? Smack dab into the bodies of these bizarre anthropomorphic plant crab xylophone umbrella things. They're really strange looking. But they existed on Earth 150 million years in the past. So the Yith are archivists and they're librarians of a sort. They capture information and chronicle the rise and fall of uh, races. That's what they do. Um, They don't speak. They have one claw where they they click it and that's how they speak so rick is is yith rick is in uh, the body of this yith and he's got to learn how to talk by clicking his his crab-like appendage and he he falls in lust with another yith named huey and they have much yith sex um and yith rick as he's wont to do he rails against Lovecraft and the the mind warping status quo and he unleashes pants shitting cosmic terror. That's the issue. That's all. It, 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 he gets out of it, of course, because he's Rick. Um, but and then the, it leads into something else for the fourth issue. But I'm just having a ball with this. It doesn't make. It's just silly. You know the target of this of this uh, miniseries. If you're a Lovecraft fan, you're going to find a lot here to to you know uh, buoy your your dinghy, so to speak. Uh, plus, there's text pages at the back that if you're really not a love see they they're playing both sides of the street. If you're not informed about Lovecraft, the pages at the end will tell you why you should have been laughing. In the beginning of the book, like here's what you, yeah, here's what you missed out on. Go read the story, and this is what happened. This is why this is funny because, you know, it's just it's like Cliff's notes at the end for the story that or stories that are pastiched inside the current story. Annotated, it, yes, for the dummies that 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 haven't read, you know, much of the source material. But I think it's wonderful. Um, David, Jason, have you guys read Love Clap? 
crap. Like, am I am I the idiot here? Am I the dummy? I had never read it until getting to know this clown, and then uh, I got a uh, I picked up a collection of Lovecraft and read it years ago. Um, so I'm like one and done. I did. I mean, not 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 one and done. Like I didn't like it, but I, I so I've, I've had like one one occasion of reading a chunk of, of, Love, of Lovecraft. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not a relaxing experience. You were informed enough to catch all the like you could read this now and know what was going on. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I. That's hard to say because, again, like I haven't revisited Lovecraft all that often. I mean, I guess the last time I had any real exposure to Lovecraft was like Lovecraft Country, the show. Yeah. Uh, and I guess like, like you know, there was like, like to me, most of the time when you when you come across Lovecraft, outside of like actually reading his work, it's Cthulhu, right? And like we all kind of know whether you've read him or not. Like you, you get like you know Cthulhu, so. Right. Um, cause I know like Lemire had a, like a Cthulhu character in, in Black Hammer, you know, which is, which is cool. But like, but yeah, no, I, I, I haven't, I haven't gone back to the well, so to speak, to really sort of test my recall on this stuff. David, that's a no for you too. I have a, um, uh, a bunch of years ago, um, Barnes and Noble was having a bunch of, uh, author collections on sale. There was, um. There was, I, I picked up Lovecraft. Uh, I think there was a Poe collection. There were a couple of things that I came home with, and yeah. there was a Hitchhiker's and, book, uh, Frank Herbert Wilson. book, yeah. And uh, so I do have, I, I I do have that Lovecraft collection, um, and I I flipped through it. I I, I read a little bit, but um, I, it's it's one of those things where it, it's it's yet just another book that I have that, you know, as soon as some time is available to me, I would like to dig deeper into it. But, uh, I have, I, I realize who the artist is and, and I can, uh, it's, he's been dead and buried long enough where I'm not so concerned about my typical, separating the art from the artist type thing so i i would like to um plus because i did enjoy lovecraft country the show i'd ever i I didn't read the novel that was based on um i would Um, like to to see if i could um get anything extra out of the show by reading some of lovecraft's work right okay there you go i haven't seen lovecraft country I think you'd like it. It's disgusting in, in places. Yeah. Well, I think it's a it's a wonderful slap in the face to Lovecraft. Right. Like let's let's do a, a, a sort of takeoff or homage or um, extrapolation on the works of a racist featuring um, an almost all basically black. an all black. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it that's very. I think it's brilliant. Roll in your grave. Yeah, man. yeah. Suck on it, prick. But no, I get it. I mean the. I think there was some repentance towards the end, but it doesn't really matter to me if there were or not. Um, I love the stories. I love the concepts. The writing is its kind of ponderous. He was not a man of brevity. <laughs> he would go on and on and on and on about, uh, you know, just describing something. And it's like, yeah, okay, we get it. Yep. Oh, here's another page. That's good. It's like, it's like Tolkien discussing some of the characters' lineage. Like, we don't care who his 15th grandfather removed. Like, we don't, it doesn't matter. But yeah, he's, he's my, he's my dude. It's just that I, he was a little bit fucked up in regards to other, uh, human organisms. What do you I mean, do? I don't, 
equivocate, but it seems like if you go back far enough, like anybody who made anything had some like something that would not that that was shitty. Sure, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but there's it, there's a difference between that was the era. So you know, my grandparents referred to people as colored. That, that's different than someone just being a, a, an evil individual and a and a hate filled person. It's not. But a, I definitely get what you're saying, Don. Yeah. I, I, it's not so much in the work. The stuff that's in the work is buried, or um, maybe there in, in metaphorically, right? I think the the real um, racism came out in his many many letters that he wrote. So, so you got to take you have to make an effort to read those. Right. It's not, and that's not a fun, you know. So yeah, uh, that's not even scary. Ah, uh, I think he was just naturally <laughs> scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a a, a friend with uh, Robert E. Howard. So there's a lot of uh, correspondence. Troy Little, uh, who you said drew that issue, a uh, buddy of mine, his wife, Brenda, is also an artist. She She's a My Little Pony artist with me uh, and was one of my favorite My Little Pony artists. They're a real, like, power couple as far as, like, cartoonists. Like, they just sit there and they, they like, kickstart their own books together. He does a lot of these Rick and Mortys. He was doing a thing with Kevin Eastman for a little bit, too. What? Uh, and he did that. Yeah. Uh, he did that Fear and Loathing adaptation that came out a couple years ago too. That he got nominated for a Best Lettering Eisner on that, I think, because he hand lettered the whole thing. Um, but he he's great at drawing those Rick and Mortys. When I was drawing Rick and Morty, I was just looking at Troy Little issues and trying to trying to aspire to that type of thing, but not getting anywhere close. He's super fucking good at it. Right. And the thing about his interpretation of Rick and Morty is a lot of the the illustrators stay close to the close to the model. Mm-hmm. He goes way off. Like he's just so expressive and uh, exaggerated that uh, you, you need to see this Cthulhu miniseries because there uh, he, some of the panels are just phenomenal. And he's not like referring to anything other than the vision of Rick and Morty in his head. Like he's not looking at oh how did they do this, you know if 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 Rick was in this position how did previous artists do it? No, he just I could I'm getting the impression he does not care. He just is like freaking riffing on it and it looks great. Very confident. Yeah. Uh, very confident. He also did the Dungeons and Dragons miniseries. Right. Yeah, our friend Tana said to uh, pick that up. She said it was wonderful. You know Tana. Uh, Tana. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, I love that Tana Ford uh, issue of the episode of the show. It was great. It was, it was, you know, what it sounded like to me. It was like listening to, like, if you had your daughter on, like the the way when you talk about your kid, the the, the like the way that you're just so happy whenever like what right. makes art and stuff like that. It was a very paternal kind of love you had in that episode. It was, uh, it was a thing um, to hear. Okay, I guess paternal. Uh, I didn't think of it that way, but <laughs> okay. That's how it sounded to me. Don't make it creepy. If I'm not making it creepy. <laughs> I, I yes, it's 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 very gratifying to see her grow into a a, a wonderful creative person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, and she kicked ass too. Like she really came and oh, she, she brought was, it. Yeah. Not like this episode. A lot of dead air. The people are going to be screaming for Tana to come back. I'm just, I'm just like 
relaxing having spent the whole day <laughs> with my head in these books. I'm just like, well, just let the guys talk. I'll listen. No, so you had a head in the, in the books. Tell us what you read. Oh, all right. Uh, so listen, one of my favorite segments in 11 o'clock comics uh, history is uh, uh, long box roulette. Is that what we call it? Uh, Let's see what the process was. You just pulled out a random issue. I just pu- I reached into a long box. I well, I talked to David. He said, "What do you want to talk about?" And I said, "Let's do long box roulette." Yeah, yeah and uh, and he was like, "All right." And then I texted and him. I, fa- I failed to bring it to the table. <laughs> it's on me. Foolishly, we didn't do it on the group chat. I was just a, a little side a little sidebar. Oh, I definitely would have done a long box roulette. Yeah, we don't uh, even have a category for that on the website. We, we do now. Yeah, we should because uh, I, I love it. Uh, so I just reached into a box. Now that I, I for for months I had this project to get in my garage put together so that I could put my comics in there, my books and stuff like that. So I, now my long boxes are accessible, and I reached in and I pulled out three books, uh, and I'm going to talk about them at different uh, varying uh, uh, stages of depth in depthness. That's wow. not a word. Wow, this is that's a good enough. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, in depthitude. Uh, the first one I'm going to do the best one first. Uh, I would have at times, if you'd asked me like, what are my top, you know, five favorite single issues of a comic? I would have said this one. And I just, uh, by chance grabbed it, uh, action comics. I think I probably have talked about it on here before, or you guys have uh, action comics, annual number one, 1987, John Byrne, Arthur Adams, Dick Giordano. Uh, have we talked about this before? We must've. Yeah. Many times. I mean, that's not really playing fair. You picked a, like a, a freaking milestone issue out of the long box. It was great. I when when it came out of the box, I swear to God, I did not look, mm. and it came hand, no bag, just a loose comic book. <laughs> uh-huh. see, no see bag. What happens? Yeah, it does. I, it does. I was so happy because uh, I was like, well, let me revisit this thing. Uh, everyone listening must already know about this book, but if you don't. Uh, it's early Arthur Adams, you know, like it's it's around long shot times, probably when he was doing those X-Men annuals, I would guess, somewhere in there. Um, but it's him. It's John Byrne, inks by Dick Giordano, and it's a Action Comics annual, but it's a story about uh, Batman and Superman down in the bayou uh, investigating some sort of vampire shenanigans. But the star of the issue is of course you guys know her name without looking name is skeeter she's a blonde-haired sexy vampire girl that wears a mr peanut shirt uh and she just runs around this whole issue looking first of all we think she's a damsel in distress i don't want to spoil it for you but she is in fact a centuries-old vampire uh and she and she uh, almost turns superman into a vampire um the story is I think it's okay to call it slight. Uh, but all you're really here for is this incredible, like, prime of his life, Arthur Adams artwork. It's sort of like any kinks that he had when he was figuring out his shit in Longshot. He's, he's like, firing at full power here, uh, just drawing Batmans and Supermans. Like, probably my favorite Batman. Like, I, I guess... That's a, that's probably saying a lot, and maybe it's just because I just read it today. But I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, I don't know who draws a cooler looking Batman than that. Uh, just like it's the like the features in his face, 
the mask is so cool and it's like it's just like blue and gray batman no frills but he just looks so neat um and superman the same superman we catch up with him he's in metropolis and batman calls him on the phone because he's having a uh, you know he's having some issues in this in this uh bayou where he's uh running into all these vampires and uh Su- do we know this kid that works with superman uh who's not jimmy olsen his name is greg yeah, I think he's popped up a bunch of times, right, Dap? Greg. It's not cats. How old is this kid? He's like he's basically Jimmy. I don't understand. All right, Dad. That's no, it's not cat cat's son. It's not cat's son. No, no he's he, way too young. He got killed by the friggin' toy man, right? Yeah, his name is Greg. He just he calls him Mister Kent. You know, he he. There's a phone call and he comes rushing. I guess Jimmy's a photographer. He doesn't have time to be answering phones. So this is a, a different person that works at the at the Daily Planet. Uh, anyway, it's a, a, a beautiful issue. It's an annual, so it's it's more pages than normal. It's post Dark Knight, right? So he's doing some stuff in here, like Superman has a clunkiness, and there's a couple like silhouette panels that look like he was super influenced by Dark Knight, but I could be. Like, my dates could be wrong on that. I don't think they are. Because Dark Knight was 86, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of the best-looking comics uh, in my collection. If you are diving in bins, I got, I'm got. i sure I got this out of, like, a quarter pile or a dollar pile when I was a kid. Um, I would I would imagine it probably costs a little bit more nowadays. But if you see it in a back-issue bin, uh, Action Comics Annual number one, one of the prettiest comics ever. Uh, it's great. Where has that been reprinted? Because I want to. I'm, I'm remembering that the paper they used on that issue is not the greatest. Like it's like a newsprinty type paper. Yeah, it's newsprint already. Yeah, so it's it. I, I'm guessing the the passage of time hasn't been too kind to that book. Um, in 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 relation to other books that came around that time or later where you had the Baxter paper and uh, Mando and all that shit. But um, I remember the color being a little wishy-washy on this because of the paper. Am I wrong? Yeah, the colors are a little faded, but I mean, the lines are still there. Yeah, well, that's what the, you know, when you got Art Adams doing it, um, okay. That's what I'm here for. I don't think I... uh, Dick Giordano, he's not my favorite Arthur Adams inker from this era. Yeah. I, I don't dislike him. I'm just saying, like, there are times where I go, like, oh, I would have liked to see him, like, you know, what a Terry Austin would have done there or something, you know. Right. This other guy. But the, well, I, I mean, Giordano was kind of inking Burn on action at, at this time because this was 87, so it was after Burn. Obviously, it was after Burn came on to, to relaunch the character. Um, so I think that's, I mean, aside from probably Giordano wanting to ink Adams, who wouldn't, um, it was probably just more the same because like I said he was already doing the ongoing. And apparently this Greg character, this is his single appearance as a Daily Planet employee wow. in a Superman comic. So, okay, yeah. so not um, dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a few places in here, Superman faces in particular, where Superman looks way Bernie. And so then I wonder if, like, if John Byrne, uh, if it's Giordano just, like, sort of doing a, his shorthand. Did the old uh, Murphy Anderson over uh, 
in, in place of uh, Kirby Superman heads. Right. Yeah. Crime, crime of the century that was. <laughs> that looks so weird in those reprints. So it stupid. really does. Yeah, it's yeah. So stupid. Pages, and then a, a, a bizarre, different kind of looking head shows up on one of those characters. And the lines don't even like. It, it's like it's because you know how 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 Kirby draws a character, and then you just have like some some soft drawn face on yeah. top. It's like yeah. that's so weird. What are you, Vince Coletta? Oh, right. No, because you can see all the lines. It's not Vince. By the way, the cover on this thing, one of the great comic book covers, it's just got like Batman in a super cool pose and Superman's in a super cool pose. And then it yep. just has these bats in the background. It says Cry Vampire in like a sort of eye vampire looking font. Uh, but the bats are not colored. They just have a color hold on them and they're purple. And it just super crackles, you know, like the whole thing. It, you see it and you're just like, I got to read that. That looks great. They didn't, they didn't reprint the annuals in the burn hardcovers, did they, Vince? I mean, that, I, mine are behind me. I can turn around and look. Yeah, that's a really good question. I have no idea. Well, next time someone talks, I'll mute and check. Yes. <laughs> so what else? Yeah, that, that's my that's my long box roulette. Do you want me to do all three of them? Or no, no, we we can mix them up. Yeah, uh, yeah, we we haven't heard from uh, what's his name, Jason. The boy. Yeah, we, I, uh, we have any from you. Okay. Well, no, it, it, I mean you're 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 batting a thousand so far, talking Rick and Morty <laughs> and, uh, and, and old school Superman comics. I mean, uh, I, I old school. Okay, it's not a Superman comic; it's an Arthur Adams comic. Yeah, no, I know, but I didn't. I haven't read it. It's it's Arthur Adams really? DC oh, comic, bro. So I haven't. Yeah, uh, Dap. So, I have an, an answer to your query. Yes. The the issue was reprinted not once, many times. It was oh. reprinted in Superman: The Man of Steel, Volume Six. Superman, Dark Knight over Metropolis, and Superman, The Man of Steel, Volume 3, 2021 edition. That's ours. Okay. That's ours. So there we go. Yeah, the, the Volume 6 are the trades yes. that they've been doing for a few years, and then before they did these. Yeah, okay. So we got it. We got it. Yes. In, uh, hopefully in, on nice, well, it is on nice paper, but uh, nicer paper anyway. So there we go. Excellent. Thank Sorry you. about that. Would you do what we do as for as long as we've done it? Um, you know, I, sometimes I'm sure this happened to all of you, like you get into these modes where it's like, you're seeing the matrix and it's like problematic. We're like, at least maybe it doesn't happen to you guys, but like where I'm reading stuff or even that we're watching, whatever it could be TV, it could be movies, but like, because we've gotten older and we've, we've consumed a lot of the stuff, like uh, so often I find myself recognizing the the mechanisms and the process, you know, to the point where it's like, oh man, I've like, regardless of whether it's even well done, it's like, oh, I've seen this before and I've seen better of it. And that makes it like, just not as enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe it's just a me thing. I don't know. Does that happen to you guys ever? That's why I don't read big two. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and I also find that it's, it goes in and out, but what's weird to me, and I, I really do think about it a lot, is I cannot figure out why sometimes seeing the Matrix completely turns me off to stuff, and other times I'm just like, nah, this is still badass. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I ha- I it, I have no explanation. Like I cannot discern. It's just visceral. Sometimes stuff works despite it. Sometimes it ruins it, and I don't. I cannot identify the factors with which it's one or the other. Um, so, and I bring that up because 
this week I, I, re- I read a lot of stuff that I, I, I didn't necessarily like love. I didn't hate it either. It just it was like, oh, okay, yeah, like I've, I've, I've read that kind of thing before and I've read better versions of it. You know what I mean? And it's like, but, but, but that makes it seem like I'm saying the stuff I read was, wasn't good. And, and that's not what I mean either. I just be like, no, okay, like I get it. Like I get where you're going with this, you know, good job, golf clap. But like, I, you know, I've, I've had more, more powerful experiences with this kind of uh, archetype before, you know, and, and, that's not, it's gonna. I'm not trying to bury this book, but I, I I set that tone because um on our Slack we often have great conversations about stuff that everybody's reading, and there you know there are people that chime in quite passionately about stuff, and sometimes they'll they'll also say things like oh I can't wait for you guys to talk about it on the show or I really hope you guys read this, and that's very flattering certainly right it's that never that's always a kindness and mm-hmm. um. And and there's two ways we can go with that, right? Like if we read something that we know people are hoping we read and we didn't care for it, I guess we could just not ever talk about it and pretend like we never got around to reading it. Or we can keep it 100, and I'm going to keep it 100. Um, a couple fellas on the Slack this week were uh, quite enthusiastic about Why Don't You Love Me by Paul Rainey, which is a, a new graphic novel that uh, Rainey put out through Drawn and Quarterly. I pre-ordered it. I was excited for it. Um, and they were very much like, yo, this is amazing. I can't wait for you. You know, they. I think some of them knew that I was, like, I can't wait for you to read it and talk about it. Um, and I was like, bet. Like, I'm going to, you know, I have a massive stack here, but you got you guys gushing it, singing his praises. I'm going to, I'm going to put that at the top of the stack. Like, like good looking out. Let me, let me get, let me get, get with this. Well, I read it and I, I, I think it's like an incredibly flawed book. I, I, um, the premise and like, if you read in the reviews online or you hear people talk about it, like it, it is a, first of all, I, I'll give them credit. The, the, the format of it is beautiful. It is, um, it is a, uh, uh, hardcover. That's horizontal. You know, um, I'm, I'm missing the word right now. Um, portrait, you know, portrait, you know, landscape. portraits. Thank you. Landscape. Thank yeah. You. Um, with um, with beautiful spot varnish of the of the, on the logo and it, like like all that's the goodness and I think Paul Rainey is a very talented cartoonist and it's a relatively like simple style but 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 it works. Um, the setup though is every page is set up to be like a um, a comic strip to the point where the first panel is Why Don't You Love Me by Rainey right like it's set up that way so you're it's like a reading strip by strip gets you in that mindset. And and basically the strip is a is essentially mainly about a husband and wife and their kids, and the husband and wife are just terrible human beings. They're not like abusive in a in, in that way, but they're just like non caring. They they forget their kids' names, like they they they're neglectful. Um, you know, at one point that they're at a mall and the kids are with the dad. The dad's like, I'm going to go into this movie theater, but you can't see it; it's R rated. And they're like. Okay, and he's like, "Don't get into trouble. I'll be back in three hours." You know, but like they're little little kids, you know, like or like the mom is a drunkard and she just like she'll just like leave the house for days at a time, and the little kids are like, "Oh, where are you going, mommy?" And she'll like ignore it. You know, it's like, and and I'm reading, I'm like, okay, like, and I, you know, I'm I'm totally down with dark slice of life sometimes, but I'm reading it, and it's like because it's a strip and it's like page by page, it's like, okay, yeah, other pieces of shit, okay, other pieces of shit, other pieces of shit, okay. 
and I'm reading this, and at first I'm like, this sucks. Like, I'm not, like, I'm, I don't even, like, I, I, I get the point. I don't even know why he's making the point. I'm out. But then the people, like, our friends that have read the book and gushed about it, when I was like, well, what, what, like, what do you got? Why are you gushing about this book? They're like, oh, you just got to stick with it. There's a huge twist halfway through the book. And, like, it totally flips the script, and you're going to be, like, blown away and then think the book's totally something else. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, I don't know. That sounds like like you got to go through a half a book. But I'm like, okay, okay. I And then I went and, like, I read a review or two online, and they were saying the same thing. Like, no spoilers, but this book, like, totally flips the script halfway through, and it just blows your mind. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm down for that. Like, are right, you going to blow my mind? Cool. So I, I start trudging along again. Like I'm like 150 strips in. I'm like, okay, yeah, pieces of shit. I get it, I get it, I get it. And then I get to this aforementioned surprise. And I'm not going to give the surprise out because to whatever extent anyone plans on reading this book, to know the, to know the twist would, would, would take away any reason to, 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 to read the book. But I get to the twist. And then I continue reading. I, like, I don't know, man. Like, the twist is what it is, and that's fine. But it doesn't change the fact that Rainey tr- made me read 150 plus pages of really nihilistic, but not like acerbically funny, not like gory. It's just like of two people being shitty for no particular reason for 150 pages before he gave me this twist where I kind of find out that they're not like totally shitty people, but they're not great people either. And it's like, I, I know, you know, there are things that I can think of where you tell people like, oh, you know, you got it. You know, power through the first issue, or power through the first arc. For example, Sandman, right? I read the first Sandman trade like five times in my life before I finally said, you know what, I'm going to keep powering through it. And then it was obviously rewarded with the gloriousness of the Sandman. Fables, Vince, you know, I love Fables. I think the first trade of Fables is good, but it's not great. Like, I, I think you could easily read the first trade of Fables and be like, oh, like, I don't know. But if you if you do go beyond the first trade, it becomes, I think, one of the greatest comics of its era. So... And I, I've heard people be like, oh, I felt you're asking me a lot to read a whole trade before. And I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Like, if that's too much for you, I get it. Well, Randy's asking me to read half a book before I get to his twist. And, like, I think that's too much, man. Like, that's too much to ask. Like, I just don't – I think that's ridiculous. And I, I and I think that – I think this book is an abject failure because of that. Like, I don't – I don't think the twist is worth it, honestly. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat – it's one of those books where I'm legit mystified that so many people whose tastes I generally align with not only like are cool with the book, but loved it. Like they were like, Oh, this is, you know, it's going to go in my 11 o'clock ballad. Or like, this is the, this is the first great comic I've read this year. And it's like, so I don't know, maybe it's a me thing, but I'm like, man, like I just think that that is a conceited ask from a creator to make you sludge through half of a book to get you to, to to trick you into realizing it's something else. You know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, like, I, I don't, you know, I try not to come in and be negative, but, like, I'm truly mystified by this one. Like, because I don't, like, I just don't understand. Like, I, I have to imagine at least half the people that bought this or take it out from the library or whatever are going to not finish it. So, like, is it fair to, like, require people to, like, be like, listen, I know you're going to – it's going to be a real slog, but but give it 150 pages. Like, that seems like a big ask to me. Like, you're not telling me, like, give it an issue. Give it a – you know, you're telling me read a 150-page graphic novel before you get to the thing I think you're going to be happy that you did. So, yeah, I don't know, man. 
it's a struggle. I can't wait to go on the slacks and talk about this with the people who did read it and talk about the and, and actually be able to talk about the twist and stuff to those without spoiling it for others. But like, I just uh, but but the point is is that like when I was going to originally come on and describe the book, I could picture one of you saying like, but that sounds like the kind of book you would love because like at the end of the day, th- th- this is the kind of world where like say like the strange like like stray bullets right like it's that kind of world or like I have read plenty of things about nihilistic shitty people acting shitty that I've absolutely like adored. You know what I mean? So it's not the conceit. It's not that conceit. I really think it's the construct of it being set up in this repetitive strip form of, with no real reason, like, like, and it's, it's like they're, they're, they're assholes, but they're not assholes in any particularly gross or, uh, wild or like violent way. They're, they're just shitty people. And like, and it's not even like a narrative it's it's just strip after strip after strip and like that can be tedious in and of itself so i don't know man it's it's a weird book and it's it's what's weird to me about it is how much people seem to love it i just don't get it i said something i mean basically the all of that sort of boils down to is the twist worth it right like if if they had gotten you like if the twist was something where you're just like god damn that was shocking like i can't believe that or like it makes you recontextualize the whole thing or whatever. Like, you know, it, it sounds like this artist was really taking a shot with something and they just sort of like, didn't, you know, didn't. Well, for me, it didn't to your point. Like if you were to, like all the, all the positive feedback from it has been exactly what you just said. Like the twist recontextualizes everything you read before it in a way that makes you sympathetic to the characters. Right. And I'm like, eh. I'm like, but it's still ink on paper. Like I, I, I still have to read 150 pages of these characters being douchebags. Like, so was the twist like a on the magnitude of you know Bruce Willis was a dead person? Like, is it a big, big, big deal? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I mean, I guess that yes. I mean, it, it, okay. it is a, it is a. There again, I really don't want to spoil it, but it is. There's a sci-fi element to it, right? Gotcha. Because like, right. if you told somebody going in to the sixth sense that oh it's the one where bruce willis is dead like you'd fuck yeah. the entire movie up for them yeah mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. and there's no redeeming you you can't not right. be redeemed by anything so i i sure. i applaud your decision not to tell anybody what the big what a baloo is yeah and let them decide for themselves but i would not mind see i love i come from the frank miller school of comic book making if you have an opportunity to flip the bird to your audience take it do it, right? That's Always comes back to Dark Knight Strikes. No, I'm just saying, Dark Knight Strikes again. Fuck you. You want that other thing? This ain't it. But I and that's, and I love okay. 150 pages where they're just like, you're like, God damn, what is this? And then he's like, oh, see the rabbit? Comes out of the hat. Like, that's fun. That's but here's the thing. <laughs> Frank Miller has a voice that, that you like to read anyway. Like his, mm-hmm. the way that he writes, the way he put words together. Yes. If, if like the plot is yeah. ridiculous or the and art is crazy. Well, you, that, you, okay, so that, thank you for, so you, you guys are making, that was the, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I neglected to make this point. This is the other, and you, you just sparked it. I, the reason I set it up the way I did, and I'm talking about like, you know, have you had this case where you kind of see this matrix and sometimes you love it, sometimes you don't like this. I was thinking to myself like, well, if this had, if Adrian Tomine wrote this, like this exact book, meaning like it, it is exactly as it is, only drawn by Adrian Tomine and his name's on it. Would I have come in and be like, yo, this is fucking brilliant. It's Adrian Tomine, like at his best, like, because I love Tomine and this is his kind of world. You know, these like 
relatively normal people acting shitty or having shitty things happen to them, right? Like that is that is essentially Tomine's ilk. Um, and I was like, well, you know, and like at first I thought, well, if Tomine did it, he'd do it better, and I'd love it, right? But then I'm like, but wait, but what if Tomine just did this exact book? But because I have such respect, and he has such goodwill with me that the journey of the first 150 pages, I wouldn't even hesitate because I innately believe that when the dust settles in the book and I close the final page of the book, it's Tomine and he'll deliver. And and I think the answer is probably like, I think if, yeah. if this was framed by a creator that I had immense belief in, I'd be like, Oh no. Okay. It was worth the effort. You know, so I don't know. Maybe that's part of it, and I don't know that that's fair to the creator. Like that shouldn't be part of it. No, I don't. It it it, it really isn't fair to the creator. I get your point, but it, it's like so. So the sixth sense. You now know what you're kind of getting when you go see an M Night Shyamalan movie, and, and he's never. It, and that's the, he's never gotten like he never has approached that in my opinion again. Right. I mean, as much as I enjoy Unbreakable. As, oh yeah, me too. But, no, I'm not but, saying yeah, they're all but, bad, but, but, but I'm saying I don't think as, any of them has been as, as, as right. As they don't have that because once you see it, 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 you see it. But yeah. um, I, I, I do think yes. If it was somebody like Tomine or in Vince's case, or someone like Miller, yes, you, you would actually, you, you would give them the leeway where it's like, listen. But, but if this is somebody who just doesn't hasn't established that with you yet, doesn't have that rapport, doesn't have that resume, and 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 you're just you're you're. You're kind of going along with it because so many other people who whose opinions you respect, you're figuring, okay, fine, they see something here, I'm probably going to see it too, and it's kind of a letdown. But it's also because it's a creator that you know you don't have on that pedestal like we do with with some of the other guys. Mm-hmm. Well, also, and I, I I saw the um, like the Guardian, you know, the British, uh, they they did a big write up of this that I read, and uh, and they loved it, you know, and and. Um, and to the credit of all the reviews I read that of like because I was like trying to see what like what was I missing like what did I miss here, um, all the reviews I think at least the ones that I saw in the major outlets were cool to not give the spoiler either like they're like you can't like the spoilers the whole point of the book, but like I think that um, uh, like the Guardian review which I thought was was really well done I didn't I didn't agree with their conclusions but I, I appreciate it. I thought it was well written, um, compared it to 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 Nick Dernasso and his work. And I was just like, that's what got me the whole thing about this. Time. I'm like, well, damn. I'm like, I and they actually instead it was like part of the same like uh, vibe as 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 acting class, which I loved last year. And we talked about talked about that at length. And I thought, nah, like acting class is way better than this, like on many levels. But like, but I was like, but you know, the, this this reviewer and it's a role review like sees it as very comparable and of like the same ilk. And I'm like, that's interesting to me because like acting class even though yeah it's it's normal people acting a little weird and pretty miserable to each other like there's a there's a a cadence to his stories like like there's a narrative that that builds to a point right like 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 an acting class specifically they they start off relatively normal people just having a community college acting class together and it just gets stranger and stranger until you get to the climax of it being totally bizarre and orthogonal and it's like that's cool. I, I think that's what this lacks. It's like it builds to something, but in a very like the first hundred pages are just because they're done in a strip form are just like you're hitting me over the head page after page with the exact same point. You know, it doesn't ev- there's no narrative that evolves. And then you get the twist. And and I don't think the twist. It, I, I, it, I don't I don't I didn't see the I didn't see the I didn't see the narrative construct of this 
in the way that I would think Tomine and Dernasso do the same kinds of stories. So, uh, but you know, my, obviously your mileage may vary. I mean, it yeah. seems to be a very well reviewed book. I think there should be a level of um, uncompromising uh, that the artist is just incredibly loyal to themselves. If this is the approach that they wanted to take, and it's very antagonistic where you have to ask a person to read 150 pages. Mm-hmm. Antagonism is part, like there should be an antagonistic relationship between the art and the artist or the, the art and the, the, the audience because it just, it lends itself to mediocrity. It does. You're, you're producing. You're not this, being antagonistic. Right. You're producing the same old shit that has been done. Be, let's satisfy the audience. Why? Be true to yourself. You, you think David Lynch said, I'm going to give these people everything they need to understand this movie. Bullshit. He went in thinking, I'm David Lynch. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. I'm going to do this story the way I want to do it. This is the way I want to tell it. Yeah, I, I mean, you because that's the difference between art and product. But again, that's a voice thing, too. Like, David Lynch has a style that even even when you're completely lost – you can still sit there and go like, "Wow, look, like look at it," you know, like yeah, the fuck's going on, but looks it's like, weird. <laughs> yeah, like Drew, like Drew, yeah, like I, I've, 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 I haven't understood half of the Drew I've read in my life, but like most of it, I'm like, oh, but it's, it's, but it's, it's got, a, it's got a vibe, right? It's visually stunning. It's, it takes me places. So it's like, all right. I think like, that what you're saying with the Tomine comparison is sort of like looking at this book. Uh, it's like the perfunctory style of it makes you feel uneasy and then if the story's also making you feel uneasy like you just feel like nobody is like nobody's taking care of you and then up until the twist right like is that is that sort of like i feel like when by the time they did the thing that you were waiting for you were already so uncomfortable yeah i think part of it also is um and i know this is gonna give vince the our palpitations you know I, i think comic strip form can be challenging and and again like there's comic strips that when we've had episodes that I adore, but like generally speaking by design, they're one and done stories in one page. Yeah. If you're to me reading collections of strips, cause you know, I tend to be, I'm the kind of reader that if I have a, a book, I want to sit down and just read the book. I'm going to read the book. So I think generally speaking, like collections of strips are, are really meant more to like revisit, right? Like, Oh, I'm going to open this up and read a few strips and enjoy it. And then I'm going to close it. And then, you know, go back tomorrow. And like, I think if you try and read like 800 strips of anything in one or two sittings, it's probably going to feel monotonous, but just by its nature. And so I think that hurts this too. Right. Cause, cause like, you know, it's a, it's a strip that I didn't really like from strip one. And even if I liked a comic strip, if I'm reading 400 strips in a sitting, I'm probably gonna be like, all right, I get it already. Like, like, let me, let me move on. I think so you're, I think that you're being unfair to the strip format because it, it, no, if you, <laughs> if you read, it's true because if, if you read Watchmen, you've read 800 pages of comic strips. They're only spaced out differently. Not true. No, I don't it is true. Not, just that's, because, that's just be, ridiculous. <laughs> that's, like, that's like maybe the most ridiculous statement <laughs> you've ever made. Why? Because there, there's a, on, on a, on a comic strip, there's a, there's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's hopefully an end. Maybe not. I don't think there needs to be an end. But, but there's an a, action, a strip right? Is one to one to three panels, rinse, repeat. It's it, the strips are repetitive by their very nature. But a, a comic book is just linked strips. No, no, that's. 
what are you talking about? It it totally is. It's just that the action is directly coming in in, in it is the exact same setting and characters in a different twist every few panels over and over and over again so there's a span of time between the comic strips that you would assume that there's a span of time that it's a different setting different situation maybe different characters different location whatever that's what i'm saying that you have a comic book is a collection of strips where the the next panel after the third one is comes in a, in the, in the same timeline directly after the one above it yeah, you're, just, we're you're just imparting gonna, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree i do i think there's a definitive and clear difference between comic strips and and sequential comic books i think they are completely different art yeah. forms okay but they're not <laughs> they are absolutely not okay whatever well again we'll, we'll agree to disagree there strongly i think that, in fact like like I said, I think that may be one of the craziest things you've ever said in a 15 minute. <laughs> so, to, a comic strip is a you, serving. Like a yeah. strip is a serving, an issue is a serving, or if it's a graphic novel, that's a serving. But doing like – like you said, reading 400 of them in a row, that's a big meal. Whereas, you know, like if you read a trade and it's five issues or you read one graphic yeah, – If I pick up the Captain Britain omnibus and I pick up Sergio Aragona's like hardcover collection of Spy versus Spy, those are entirely different experiences. Like yeah. Spy versus Spy, and I love that's one of the I picked it because it's one of the strips I love and can read a thousand of. Like it, but it's the same setup. I get like you know I'm getting like White Spy or, or Black or or Black Spy gets tricked by the other and then dies. Like that's and mm-hmm. I get that every three panels or one panel, and I get lots and lots and lots of that. Like Captain Britain Omnibus, I'm getting. 800 pages of a completely evolving narrative with different character settings, visual layouts, panel sizes renderings like it is not in any way a strip i'm not getting any repetition other than the fact that captain britain's in it repeatedly what are both of those classify them what what is a strip and what is a comic book sequential storytelling. they're both sequential art they are the right, same that, thing so that, that's a trait you and i are both are both men like but we're different we're, like we're not the same like, oh, that's like, not what i'm like, talking about i'm not talking about any kind of stylistic flourishes within the comic strip they they are both sequential art and you're just imparting some kind of restriction on the fact that one appears on one page and the other one has a bunch of pages. They're they're the same thing. Yeah, they're, I just disagree completely. Well, when you go to a food tasting thing, right? You get your little course. You get your little course, your little course. Do you say, man, that was a great meal? Or do you say uh, course number three was different because it made me – no, they're both – it's all a meal. It's just cut up in eight courses, whatever, how many. In the other one, you're getting all your meal at the same time on the same plate. Well, there again, a tasting menu and like a family-style potluck are both meals with food, just like comic strips and comic books are both illustrated sequential stories, but that doesn't make them not different. You- a square and a rectangle are not the same thing, but all squares are rectangles. All rectangles are not squares. Like that doesn't even again, make like, sense. Like we don't have to. <laughs> well, it doesn't. Like, mean, that doesn't wait, but but Tony is on my side too. So like again, like it's I like I don't like you, you could like there's no like there's no right or wrong here. I think they're definitively different things. And I think okay. if you were to say to a person what's a comic strip and describe it, and what's a comic book, and if they're in both, they would view them as different things. But again, if you feel differently, that's cool. I'm just saying for me, the experience of a comic strip is definitively different. Than the than than the experience of reading a a comic book or a so yes book. the experience you're you're putting a value judgment on the way the sequential art plays. 
comic strips read differently because it's by definition repetitive. I'm getting the same layout shape structure okay. every every page or two. So you're, now that. let's look at the, let's look at the Phantom, right? Or or say um a a, a, a st- like um Terry and the Pirates, a strip that continued every single day. Yes. And you put them on the same page. How is that different from a comic book? They appeared in the newspaper one day at a time. And yet, look, we got these big collections now that have strip, 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 strip on one page. They're the same damn things. They just cut them up. It was still designed for daily reading. Of right. course it was. That, that's, right. but, but it, and, and, it, and it's all based on the formula. The, the, there are certain beats in a comic strip. You yeah. know, you're going to have the beginning, it's middle, like and end. writing for the trade has changed the comics industry. Like, like it's, it's when, do you, when do you have to have a crescendo? When do you have to have something that makes one, someone want to turn the page and come back? Like, in that case, you needed to have every third panel. You needed to have something that theoretically got people psyched to get, come back the next day. But like, without, without reading them. Without somebody who who you know grew up reading them or anything like that, if you if if you if Vince took his one of his Terry and the Pirate books and opened it up in the middle and put it out and then put Absolute Watchmen right next to it and opened it up to to, to a random page and, and and put that down, somebody would look at that and the format, the way everything is laid out, especially with Watchmen with the nine panel grid, it would it would appear. They would almost be like the, just the same. It, they, would, they would be sequential story. They would just they would look very similar. Yes, if you were to stop and read them, and 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 take in the bigger picture, their differences appear. But it, it, Terry and the Pirates isn't exactly the best example because that's that's different than Hagar, and it's different than High and Lois. It's different than Family Circus. It's it's not. It, it reads Terry and the Pirates reads more like a comic book because it is a long form story. Yeah, the, the, those those particular strips are very different than the typical comic strip. Just like not all comics are the same, but like the vast majority of comic strips as they are defined are much more about like I'm going to give you the story in the gag and then you're going to come back next Sunday for the next story in the gag. Yeah. So what if there's a an overarching storyline but it's just a sequence of gags every day? That I think is ta- is taxing in the same way that he's talking about. Like, yeah. I think, yeah. like Farside is hilarious. I think Kathy is hilarious. But if I read like eighty Kathys in a row, I'm not laughing like I would. Yeah, I- that's that's exactly that's exactly right. That that's exactly right. Like like I I mean you know I I love Bloom County right. I love Doonesbury. I love obviously I love Calvin and Hobbes. But like for me I, I like I can't sit and read a hundred of them in a row like because I'm like all right well I like I I get it like. I just it feels repetitive to me. Like I'm like I get it, so I'm gonna you know I gotta I'll come back. Um, and, and I, I'm I, I, for other people I'm sure like you love reading strips, so I don't think you have that experience, Vince. But like for me, it feels very repetitive, and so it okay. just doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, and my brain needs to reset to to take the thing in, enjoy it, reset, come back, enjoy it the next day. Like that's sort of, like uh, like we got you you guys recommended that uh, Friday Forster collection. And I read like a chunk of that, but then it just the the format of it. I haven't finished it yet, just because I, I don't know. yeah. I was thinking about Friday Foster because I raved about that. But to your point, I remember there was a point reading where I'm like, all right, like I gotta I gotta walk away because it's like I I'm like I get it now. Like it's like okay, like to, it, that took me a couple sittings to finish for that reason. Yeah, and also, that's more like that's more like a Prince Valiant type of a strip where it's like you know there was there was an ongoing narrative of sorts, I guess you could say, but. But just that that beat, that cadence of like, okay, 
Okay, I get it. Like, here we go. So, yeah, it's that, that repetitive cadence is, is problematic for me generally. There were there were two things during that that awesome discussion. One was that we seem to be entering an age where creators are expecting us to go a little longer to get that payoff. Like, I remember... So, I, I was told before I started Game of Thrones, you gotta get past the first episode. Or... There are a couple of shows like that. With Walking Dead or Fables, it's like you got to get through the first trade, and then the story picks up. Here, you're being asked to read 150 pages before things kind of get going. And they seem to, like I said, creators just seem to be not taking advantage, but they just want to kind of see how far they can kind of bring us before the story kind of kicks in. And I don't know if that's just some writers being fancy or not being able to get to the point sooner. Or, or, or what it may be, depending on the type of story you're trying to tell. But it is something that I've I've noticed where people are just like, well, stick with it and it'll click. And it's like, why why can't why can't things just be like kind of good out of the gate? And 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 some things are, but we we, we do get some creative things. And the other thing was, um, I I whenever Vince brings up Dark Knight Strikes again. <laughs> and how it's and how it's and, and how it's Miller's how it's Miller's you know middle finger to everybody, people who bought read enjoyed Dark Knight Returns. I don't think I I, I think it's fair to assume that they were kind of when when the sequel was finally coming out that they were going to kind of get a continuation of that or at least a story in that vein. Why would they assume that? Frank is going to just flip the script and piss us all off by by doing something completely different. So I I, I get it, Vince, where you know it's like stick your finger to the man and 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 f authority, but I also completely understand why people would be a bit miffed reading Dark Knight Strikes again and feeling some kind of way about it. Yeah, I'm with Vince on that one. I I I do like that he gave a little finger on that thing. Also, just only because Dark Knight is the ending of Batman. Like, he wrote a story that was the end of Batman, and then they were like, we'll give you millions of dollars if you do another one. He's like, all right, <laughs> you guys. Like, that's fine by me. But, yeah. I, don't, but I think that's a, that's a different conversation. True that. True that. Yep. Also, uh, Sergio didn't do Spy versus Spy. I don't know. Uh, uh, no, I, yeah, pro, uh, pro, yes, yeah, sorry. I, yeah, yeah. But point still stands. Yeah. yeah. Still stands, but yes. You invalidates your whole argument. Or you could say Cooper now, but yeah, it's still... Oh, is that who does it now? Yeah, yeah Cooper, yeah. Um, so, since Tony was here, this was this was good timing, because I, I, I know we can go down memory lane with, with Tony. Um, I completely forgot that I ordered this way back when, because I think the first time I ordered it, it was either cancelled or, or, or resolicited, and then I guess I figured what the hell when it was offered again. I went for it um, because this is this is a, a series of characters that 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 I've dipped multiple times on. Uh, but I opened up the, the box last weekend, and uh, lo and behold, inside was the tick, the complete Edland, four hundred and twenty-four pages, all twelve issues of Ben's issues and uh, all 12 issues of Ben's story and then the 13th issue where the creative team thought 
the the story was going to go and 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 this was there were because of the time this was you know 86 87 88 um there are some gags that uh a little cringe that 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 may have been you know me slapping funny at the time um but i mean you know a couple of pages out of over 400 it it's i mean it'd be great if there were no pages that way but but there were like it's when 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 tick and when arthur is inviting tick over to you know stay at his apartment and and tick's like well you're not you know you're you're not funny are you and it's like and you have to understand of course the kind of character that tick is and but still it is one of those things which is like are we making we're making gay jokes we're trying to be homophobic here but um overall i i had a had a blast revisiting this um when I spent summers in uh, in Massachusetts, when my brother and I would go visit my grandparents, um, there was a comic shop at the mall where I found the first issue of the ticket. I think it may have been the third or fourth printing of of and and I know that at the time it was a big deal because you know comic books going to like fourth, fifth, sixth printings. That's amazing. And of course, if if, if you look at it, I mean, you could have had. 12 copy print run and if you sell out you go to second printing well it's like well, now we're second it, it's like how many how many did you actually sell like how many, how many did you print and sell before we worry about how many printings you actually had but um it was like the third or fourth printing of the first issue the second issue came out i think i got like maybe the second printing of that it wasn't until like the third or fourth issue where i actually got first printings of of the remaining issues but um this was uh it it, it the what what bummed me out about this collection? I think this is the fourth. This is the fourth printing from 2017. Um, you, you do get they let you know about all the other complete collections that they have from Indian and Cow and Paul the Samurai and and the subsequent Tick volumes. But you have the table of contents, and it breaks down. You know all the stories, the sketches, the first appearances from the New England Comics newsletter. And then issues one through thirteen. Who drew the cover? The title of the story. Who drew the story? Who who wrote it? Um, if there's any first appearances in the issue, but it never actually gives you the the dates that the issues were published where we're actually hitting the stands and i was like and you can look at the covers and see you know okay well ben drew this cover you know 88 and and so i i'm assuming that's when the issue came out but it, it that was that was one nitpick but i did enjoy um watching edlin's style evolve over the years that that it took for these 12 issues to come out because it it was it was um it it wasn't rough, but it was it was a little raw in the beginning, and and then he's absolutely fine tuning things as uh, as the series continues. Um, a lot of um, homages and 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 some that I didn't pick up on the first time around, but uh, there's aside from you know the, the Dick Tracy parody in one issue, you've got um, you've got a little bit of a, uh, a, a there was a mage vibe in. Um, in one of the early issues, especially when uh, he's re- he's dealing with uh, Oedipus, who of course is the Electra knockoff, and I just it really was um, 
flipping through this hefty ass tome, it wasn't just the character and it wasn't just these stories, but it was also uh, triggering the memory of when I was getting the issues and everything like that from, from back in the late eighties. But um, the tick is one, one example where I really haven't strayed from the original. I'll read some of the, I'll read Paul, the samurai and, and, you know, chainsaw vigilante, things like that. But, but anybody who isn't, Ben Edlund, I really haven't read too many tick stories by other creators. And I saw an episode or two of the cartoon. And the big thing for that was, of course, Mickey Dolan's voice is Arthur. But the tick really for me is just it's it's a property or it's a character. It's an IP that I, I really only enjoy in the comic book form and and really only when the original creator in this case works on it, but even, even the shows, the, the live action shows, whether it was on Fox or Amazon, I never, I never really sat down to just kind of watch it. It was, I, I don't know what it was about this one particular instance where I just like it, it can only be the comics for me. I, I, I can't stray beyond that. I don't want to see it in any other site type of media. I don't care about any other format. I just want the sequential stories on the page. So it's, it, the tick is a weird one for me because it's just it it it's it's not even like it's it's a character that there's so much to glom onto or 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 dive into. It's it's he's I'm not gonna say he's one note, but it's it's you know he's not invulnerable and he 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 back afterwards steps into doing good and and he's he's just he's kind of a a magnet for trouble and, and he always comes out on top and uh it's it is just and it's weird that i i i think in my mind it, it it's weird that i i can appreciate and enjoy the tick so much but i just for whatever reason i cannot get into scud the disposable assassin i've tried it i've read it and i get that people absolutely adore that 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 a character in that concept but i just it, it it's scud is just something that uh that never did it for me but but tick who's in my mind kind of on the same level to a degree at least as far as the independent scene goes um um i i'm all about but at least now that i finally have this damn collection I don't have to go looking forward to worrying about it anymore. And I still have, I still have the issues I have, but, but at least now I have this, but like I said, it was, it, it was, those 12 issues were kind of just, they worked for me. It, it, I'm not going to say they were perfect, but I, I, I like that, that this dude who scribbled up this character and the, uh, one of the guys at New England comics, which is a shop decided to, create new england comic press and and this was kind of their flagship book and then he ended up doing a, the, the company also did a lot of reprints of um non ec horror books a lot of public domain stuff and um and there were some jokes in some of the issues that uh, that tied into one of the other books that that nec was printing and and now of course the joke falls flat and it's out of context and it makes no sense but if you were there you know you can kind of get 
kind of get a laugh about it or at least get the joke. But um, it's kind of a it, it's for me. It was a neat little time capsule. I'm I'm, I'm glad I have it. I'm glad it's here. But uh, and and it's it's kind of like it, it's a concept that just won't die. Aside from the books, the the, the comics being reprinted, the, they've reprinted these tomes, these the, these complete collections, countless times. And and I'm happy for them. Uh, I'm I'm glad people are still checking it out. But it it's and we've even tried it with the free comic book day stuff. It's like it's just for me, it nothing has has um, come close to to the original edlin stuff yeah I, i've never read an issue of the tick wow okay yeah I, I, no real particular reason honestly I, I i don't not like i avoid it i i i, I just never have read an issue i don't i don't know anything about it other than the um patrick warburton show. right yeah <laughs> there's that um yeah. i mean and and towards the uh you know, so I mean, the whole thing is he's he's trying to protect. The, he, he escapes a, an insane asylum, an institution, early on, but he basically wants to protect the city, and uh, he's uh, he, he over the course of the issues, there's a, he, he ends up realizing that you know, well, well, the city is protected, um, so we should move on and and go to New York City because that's where you know all all the superheroes hang out and that's where all the action happens. And so he and Arthur take a road trip to go to New York city. Um, there's a whole issue with shenanigans on that road trip, which is a lot of fun. And then he shows up in New York city and there's a, uh, there's a bar where all the heroes go. And there's somebody who shows up, who's also goes by the name of the tick. And he's basically, he's basically Batman. He's got a, he's got a tick cave and his name is Barry. And he, um, so he and tick actually fight. And, the tick our tick wins and by superhero law it's decreed that you know the tick gets everything that barry had so he gets he gets the tick gave he gets the tick bike and 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 that was kind of like it seemed as though they were kind of going towards that as 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 the climax of of at least i don't know about the series but at least this arc where you know now, now tick has Basically, he's he's a full fledged superhero and he has everything he needs. And 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 then there's some funny gags where Barry is upstairs in the mansion because um, he can't be the Tick anymore. And 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 Tick is downstairs in the cave messing around with these gadgets and these experiments and and blowing shit up. And um, slowly Barry starts to go crazy. And then Barry kind of um, leaks out a a message to one of his uh, to his biggest rogue and and. Uh, so so these bad guys are going to come to Jersey to to fight Tick in his own backyard and 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 it's just and it kind of goes but but before that fight actually happens that was the twelfth issue so we never got the um, Edlin never never drew or told that story and um, and so that was a different creative team came along and 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 that story was not entirely a whiff. But it definitely wasn't as strong as uh, as what Ben had done before that, and and there's even I mean there, there's there's an issue I think it's like issue maybe seven or eight where um, Tick wakes up from a dream because he like he thought he didn't exist for like eight or nine months. And that's because that's how long it took between between issues. So so they make jokes about that and and they realize that because uh, I think Ben was also going to school at the time, 
so it wasn't making this comic wasn't his full time only job. So um, there was there was some um, if, if if you were trying to buy the tick on a regular basis, they they did not make it easy for you. But um, yeah, also, I don't think I mean I don't know about the newer stuff, but I don't know if I could give you a random issue of the Edlin series and say here read this. And I mean, yeah, you get some of the jokes, but as far as like it's just one part of a larger story, and I don't know. I, I, I kind of think maybe, but and then I can't even say you should start at the beginning because the beginning is kind of rough. So maybe, maybe I'll just get you the first issue and, and see if you like it from mm. there. But yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I would like you at least to try it, but it is one of those things where I can definitely see people being like, it, it ain't for me, or I'd rather just either watch the cartoon or watch the live action show. Now, why did you bring up and compare it to Scud specifically? I think, in my mind, because it's it was a... A, a single vision, a, a, a character, a concept that that just you know one dude came up with. Um, the the wackiness, the quirkiness, is is similar in my mind. Um, but it also they, they're both they both seem to be characters that that kind of have a cult following, and it, it's like, it. it just seems to be one of those things where it's like, I mean, it's not a are you a Star Wars, a Star Trek kind of fan? But it's one of those things where, like, there are people who absolutely adore Scud, and and you know, unfortunately, I'm not one of them. But I I get it, and I don't. And, Dude, and it's I, got a character called Susudio. I mean, how can you not love it? I don't. Those I'm so sorry. My bad. I'm gonna rethink everything now. Yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah, it's just. I mean, it it's it's very. The early, early Tick feels very. Not. It, it's it's not doesn't have the same feel as as the early Eastman and and Laird Turtle stuff, but it 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 reminds me of that. It's just it it is that is just some dude drawn on a board, telling a story and having fun with it, and you know just just kind of seeing where it goes. And it 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 had a very indie feel, and and since this is you know eighty eight eighty seven eighty eight, and and with everything else that was going on in comics, it, it was. It was quite different than anything the big two were doing, um, and then yeah, and and probably another reason, another thing why I may kind of compare the two is that I was, for all intents and purposes, kind of there on the ground floor with the tick, not so much with Scud because when when Scud took off, I wasn't wasn't really aware of it so it was also I, I since i wasn't there when it was happening um i feel like i kind of maybe missed that but which might have also played a part into why I'm, I'm i'm missing something and i'm trying it way later than everybody else who was there at the start was digging but um they're both yeah. they're both uh like indie comics that came out at a time when there wasn't a ton of like funny indie comics and they but they're both that were also genre. So like takes a superhero comic. That's funny. That's very competent. You know, so like it's sort of like ticked a lot of boxes. And also both of those guys went and made TV afterwards. Yeah. yeah that's I was going to say, yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. I really did. I mean, I, I, like I said, I've never read the tick, but I have read scud. I can't, they, that, that, uh, image put out that, that omnibu back in the day of, of all yeah. 24 issues. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm with Jason. I haven't. Read, I've read a couple issues, but I've seen every other tick 
and not the comics. So I'm like the opposite of Dave. Right. The cartoon. I've seen all the Fox show. I watched the Amazon show. I posted in the chat a picture that American made from the Fox show. That was a yep. fucking good looking lady. Good heavens. She looked like Alicia Class. That's, um, I know who that is too. Alicia Class? No, well, yeah, the actress, but yeah. <laughs> Her name is Liz Bassey. I don't know what else she's from. She must be on other stuff. She definitely is, but yeah. Tony, you still have to wrap up your long box roulette. You okay, left, let's go. You left us hanging. You got two more. Uh, this this one sort of ties in what David was just talking about in that uh, it has a thing in it that makes you stop and go like, wow, they wouldn't print that anymore. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> and it sort of made me think when I was reading it and when you were talking about the tick, like uh, there's like whenever they go back and edit books – or like take you know take they were just talking about they went and took a bunch of stuff out of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and rolled doll stuff because he's making fun of fat people. Um, and I and I I always hear that and my first instinct is like oh that's not what, like that's not cool, but then I think like as an author like as an artist, all I want to do when I'm making a book or a story is just make something that somebody can get into and stay in it and be invested and and like go for the ride. And so what you're doing when you're making stuff is if if there's something that like that puts the reader out of it when you're not trying to, then you just sort of like clear that out of there. You know, like not not that you just don't put in things that are offensive, but you want to be in control of when you're like when you're going to punch somebody. Right. Like like when you're Frank Miller giving the finger, you want to be aware of when you're giving the finger. Right. Uh, so anyway, I uh, pulled out of the long box Stormwatch number forty-four, Jesus. Uh, which is uh, pre-authority Stormwatch, but just pre, like almost to the authority. Uh, it's Warren Ellis, it's Tom Rainey, uh, and this is the one. Uh, it's one of the more memorable Stormwatches because it's the one that had variant covers. Uh, one of them was like a Watchmen-looking cover. One of them was like a Kirby-looking cover. Um, I have the Watchmen looking cover and it's the story of Jenny Sparks who is a century baby, right? Like she's a, she was born on January 1st, 1900. Uh, and you know, at the, at the turn of the century, when this book is coming out, she's almost a hundred years old. Uh, and she's, uh, they've been training, like she's new to the team of Stormwatch. She's been training with battalion. Who's like the team leader, but, uh, at this point, he's just like, look, you're way older than me. You know what you're doing. You've been around and seen everything. So why don't you just tell me about yourself? And so it's like this really interesting, fun, plays with the format type of issue by Warren Ellis and Tom Rainey. And Tom Rainey gets to do all these cool, different uh, art styles and, and sort of like homages different uh, comic book styles. So it starts uh, in the 1920s, like page two of the book, we we jump back to the 1920s, and it's sort of like pulps. It's like sci-fi pulps, um, and it is like a, like Alex Raymond style. Um, and then when you get to page two, she jumps right to the 30s, and you're looking at sort of like action comic style, and it shows what Jenny Sparks was up to in the 30s. And the, the format of the comic changes, and the, the writing style of the comic changes in the different... Uh, places that she is. So by the time you get to page four, she's basically in the spirit, and it's black and white, and it's drawn almost exactly like Will Eisner. 
and then uh, somebody just says the N-word. <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> it took place in the 40s. Oh, I'm just like reading along and then just like, oh, Jesus, good Lord. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. They would not do that anymore. Uh, uh, but then, I, you know, I kept flipping. It didn't take me all I didn't throw the book across the room, you know. Yeah. I've read it so much before. Uh, I kept reading, and uh, the story basically tells you sort of how superpowers came to the Wildstorm universe through, like, alternate universes and sort of, sort of like, high sci-fi Warren Ellis-y type stuff um, through Jenny Sparks taking you on this journey all across uh, from, from the 1920s up through the 60s where Rainey draws, like, a panel that looks like R. Crumb, and then he draws a few panels that look like Kirby, and then he does, like, Neil Adams-looking stuff and Steranko-looking stuff, and he just gets to sort of... It's sort of like this cool quarter-pile comic, or I guess they're dollar books now because the, you know... Uh, inflation, but it's this cool comic that you would just find in a long box, Stormwatch issue 44, that has uh, an artist just getting to do like a hundred different cool things, you know, like he's just getting to go on this long journey with this character, and it tells you the whole story of Jenny Sparks, like, from th- from the 20s until today, aka 1996 or whatever, um, but when it gets to the 80s, it goes into this Watchmen thing, um, which is not as good as Watchmen uh, by any stretch, but it's fucking cool. Tom Rainey, like, in some places, gets like Dave Gibbons a thousand percent right. So he doesn't hold it together the entire time, but there's some panels where you're just like, good lord! It's like, he, like I wonder if he just went over to Dave Gibbons' house and was just like, can you help me out with this? <laughs> just rough this in for me. It's really great. Um, well, how hard of a gig is that, though, to ape Dave Gibbons? Like, that's rough. Yeah, exactly. It's you such know? a, it like it looks simple to look at it, but it's such a nuanced and specific type thing. That's why he doesn't get it right the whole time. But like, when he hits it, he he really nails it. Um, and then and then there are pages that look like Tom Rainey that sort of frame the whole thing. Uh, I had a almost entirely great time reading this. You know, save for <laughs> a couple spots. Uh, but it was like, I was just like, man, comics are cool, you know? And, and like, uh, not to bring it back to me, but like, like when we're making local man and we're sort of doing, you know, jumping back to the nineties type stuff and trying to sort of like put stuff that feels like it's from a different time that like, obviously we were thinking about stuff like this. Obviously we're thinking about Alan Moore Supreme, you know, and, and other books where they, where they use every bit of the comic book toolbox to, to tell a story. Um, and this one being real, like inside baseball, a super fun for super nerds. Like, you know, if you read, if you read like the history of comics books and then you read this book, you'd be like, uh, ready to go. I'm sh- which is, I'm sure where I was at when I was, you know, 15 or whatever, when this thing came out, it's 17. Uh, so Yeah. Stormwatch number 44, my second long box roulette. Uh, a real nice surprise reminder, except for when they just drop an N-bomb out of nowhere. David. Yes, Vince. Your buddy done you dirty. Because he did not inform you on who did the other cover for this issue. Well, okay. Is that right? Gil Kane. Get out of here. Yep. Did he? I will. I will drop it in the Slack. Not the Slack. Uh, the the Skype right now, so you can see it. 
Is it yeah. that one that looks, that looks like uh, has a Fantastic Four cell font? Yep. There yeah. you go. Good oh, old, good old Gil Kane. Sure enough. How about that? Oh, check yourself. Oh, thank you. Yeah, looking out for oh, you. By young Laura Martin before she was Martin. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, Stormwatch. Good time. They're going to make an authority movie. You guys will all read this at some point and be like, he, he was right. That was a good time. I think you got lucky on both of those picks. I really did. The last one, I it was a pretty good handful, and I'll, I'll be quite honest. I feel like I'm, I grabbed one handful, and I was like, that's not it. And I threw them back. <laughs> but I, so I wasn't like digging through flipping. I grabbed like two handfuls. But this one, the third one, also a pretty good, like, hey, that's, if you're going to grab something, good grab. Do you want to save the third one or for your, no. your... – Yeah, let's just roll into it. I'll do it real quick because there's not a whole lot to say about this one. Oh, no. Besides that it's just, <laughs> you know, decent. I'm not going to do a deep dive on it. Uh, it is the free comic book day issue of Leave It to Chance. Oh. Uh, by James Robinson and, and Paul, Paul Smith. Paul Smith, mm-hmm. yeah. From 2002, uh, which is Valentino-era image. And some of that is, is like, the, the wraparound outside of the story stuff is fun just because it really takes you back to a time where you're like, good Lord, that's, I forgot all about that. The funniest part is on the back. They had this ad from Image, where it's that ad that says, "If you think that, if this is what you think of Image, and it has like Berserkers and Prophet, Roll <laughs> and Wildcats and Wetworks and stuff, and it says Think Again, and it has like Cry for Dawn and Girl Scouts and you know Liberty Meadows and Powers and GI Joe, all stuff that like I don't think any of that stuff's published there anymore. <laughs> but but it's funny that they're just like that's not what we're doing." We're gonna we're out to change your mind. They say. I thought that was fun. Uh, but leave it to chance. Uh, I'm quite ashamed to say that I think I've only read the first issue of, and I had no idea that there were f- like four collections of it. Like I thought there were only a few issues of it. Um, and this one that was the free comic book day issue. I'm not even sure which issue it reprints. Um, I, you would think it would be issue one, but looking at like the collections in back, it looks like these guys in the devil masks show up in like volume two or something. Um, anyway, uh, it's a story about Chance Falconer, who is uh, the daughter of this uh, sort of like famous, uh, I don't know if he's like the governor of this place that we're in. Uh, anyway, Chance is supposed to be like, the, the the new protector of this place, but she she's not going to be because she was born a girl, and this this guy only had like it's only passed on from son to son, and, and this this guy did not have a male heir, so she's sort of like uh, shit out of luck. She still gets into little adventures though, and it has a real like uh, uh, Johnny Questy sort of pulpy feel to it, like mm-hmm. the world that we're in sort of feels real. Uh, like uh, Paul Smith's really getting into his toth bag here, where he's just uh, do- doing like almost generic adventure comic scenario, where it's just like this is a fun adventure. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it was uh, issue number like. five, Tone. Uh, That's issue five. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense because I think the collections collect the the four issues at a chunk. The ones that are here, so that would. Be... I have to. I have to send you a. a of picture next time i'll text you a picture next time I'm at the shop there's a um there's an oversized hardcover it's not a very thick book and i'm not sure 
That's what they're advertising. They, they did three of those. Okay. Yeah, I think this may be the second one, but I'll I'll let you know next time I'm there. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of like this this world where there's magic and dragons and stuff, and Chance is, uh, is getting into little adventures, and her and her dad is uh, is some sort of he's not a king, but he's like a mayor or something. I I feel like I'm bringing a <laughs> I'm not selling this book in the right way. Uh, but as a free comic book day uh, primer, I thought it did a pretty good job. Like I got to the end of it and I was like, I would buy one of those collections and see more of this beautiful Paul Smith artwork. Mm. That was uh, one of those weird books too, because it it was it came out and it got all the flowers thrown at it. Yes, like it won Harvey Awards and Eisner Awards, like right out of the gate. It was like, holy shit, this is the bomb. And then like it never, it only ended up ever having thirteen issues. Like I don't know what happened. I don't know if like it just wasn't. If it was like critically acclaimed, but wasn't selling well, or if James Robinson had, like, I don't know why, like, nothing ever more came of it. Or is it Paul Smith? Like, he's not famous for doing super long runs, right? Yet. That's true too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the what the deal was with it. Uh, but yeah, I would read more of this if I if I ran across one of those big trades or the big hardcover collections, I would pick them up. They look neat. Sometimes I like finding those sort of like I'm sure this has all been collected because it's only like twelve issues. I'm sure there's one giant collection. But sometimes I like finding those like older, bigger, you know, where it just has a few issues and I like that sort of collection. So I would check out more of this. Nice. Did you guys read it when it came out at all? Did you have any experience with it? It was no, uh, no, I didn't. I wasn't reading non-Marvel in the mid '90s, unfortunately. I feel like it was like a homage comics or homage comics, because was when Strangers in Paradise went there. Yeah. And they did this, and they did something. Oh, Astro City. Yes. Yep. I, I haven't read any Leave It to Chance um, either. Same. It was just one of those books that it came out so, it seems like it came out so infrequently and erratically that I was just like, yeah. nah, I'm not doing it. No. Well, you 12 issues over, over four, 96 through 99, so 12 issues over four years, so that's what, three issues a year. Mm-hmm. And then they came out the 13th issue in... Um, in 2003 but that was it like that was, there was 2002 and that was it it was done never more, no more sort of reminds me of batman adventures like this the style like paul smith sort of draws in that style anyway but sort of like this um when i say generic adventure i guess what i mean is sort of like rocketeerish you know where it's like these this could be in the 40s it could be in the 90s we right. don't know like these people are just sort of like you know Kids wearing striped shirts and, you know, people in bowler hats, like that type of thing. Proper gentlemen. Right, yeah. <laughs> yes. Got a tentacle monster. I don't know. It was free, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy with that, too. And and Paul Smith can dr- really draw his ass off. What and my- so, so, you... So... It was free comic day twenty years ago. So did you just just have this issue sitting in a long box, and you're like, someday I'll get to it. And I did. You did. There you go. You guys are here to celebrate it with respect. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. I think my favorite Paul Smith is X Men Alpha Flight. Oh yeah. Respect on that. I really like that one. I think we're getting some. We're going to get some Alpha Flight again soon. I think. Hmm. Are you excited about that? Is it going to be good? Is well, it- listen, I mean, every attempt of bringing out flight back has been an abject failure, right? So And progressively to- worse. I think yeah, even, if, even if Byrne came back to do it, I don't think it would be what it used to be. 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, I guess you, it depends on who they have involved. And I'm just speculating because the, you know, Marvel kind of telegraphs these things by what they choose to uh, put out in archival. So, like, they're they're reprinting and resoliciting the OG Burn Alpha Flight Omnibu this preview. So I'm like, oh, they usually do that when they have a those characters coming back, you know, as the as the, as though. And I always wonder that, like, as though, like, you're going to be like, oh. Oh, I'm going to pick up this Alpha Flight comic that I've never read anything about off the stands. Oh, and then let me go buy a hundred and fifty dollar omnibus of the archival stuff like that. I don't. That feels like probably doesn't work that way, but but uh, but it does seem like Marvel thinks it works that way. So you always see like when you see the the, the random collections come up of old, of old school stuff, you're like, oh, okay, they must be planning to bring these characters back to some prominence in the short order. So worked on me sometimes. Like the, like there have been stuff that I missed, and then. If I got into the new, what it usually is, is I get into the new series, and then I'll be like, I'll grab that omnibus from. Like I did that with the Jumper and She Hulk. Oh, okay, well there you go. I stand corrected. And who did that? Who? Because I, it, it, I saw it in, I saw the Alpha Flight omnibus in in previews, and, and so you've got the original John Byrne first issue cover. But who? They have, they have a, they have a direct market cover by by different artist. I think. Or maybe it's a different burn cover, but I, my, my favorite thing with the omnibus when, when Marvel does a, a new edition is that here's the cover is a cover from an issue that's in the volume from the original creative team or the original cover artist, and then it's like here's a here's a Dampen Ocean cover of it's it's kind of similar to a different cover in the book, but it, it, some some of the artists that they get to do a cover for an omnibus just i i don't understand that there's like no connection to that artist to 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 that era of that book or, or that it, it's just it it's some random i mean alex ross i get but there are just some some artists that they'll bring in it's like here's a quapel cover for you know damage control it, it's like i don't what i okay cool for that quapel completist i guess who are we to turn our noses up at a panosian cover I know, not take a cover is, from him on anything. Absolutely, but it's like if it was a Dan Ocean cover doing a a riff on John Byrne's Alpha Flight cover, it's like it's it's neat to see, but it's like I'm not sure. I don't like why why Dan. I mean, sure, give him the work. I absolutely would have loved that, but I'm like it, it, it's just weird for me to see an artist that has no connection to that work. Um. And it's it's a me thing. It's it's like Michael Cho doing doing, doing covers for like you know the the Kree Scroll War. It's like why I okay I'm great okay Michael Cho is a, he's a great artist, but I'm like I don't I'm not sure I, I'm just I'm missing the connection. And that maybe there isn't one, and I'm no big deal. Ooh, mothership. Mm-hmm. Air conditioners. By the way, our our our, our partner at Cheap Graphic Novels has both the the direct market and the regular covers available for seventy four ninety nine. The pre order, pre order fifty dollars off fifty. Did Burn do both covers? I don't know yeah, the they're both okay. covers. Okay, all right. There you go. All right. As Jason just said, we got to thank uh, CheapGraphicNovels.com big time for sponsoring this episode. Go there. Get those books that he just told you about, CheapGraphicNovels.com. And we also have to genuflect in front of our Butamus patrons. As usual, they are the ones who uh, help make this episode, each episode, 
possible for y'all. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one one no apostrophe. Um, I read a bunch of stuff for this episode, but I don't want to talk about it um, in a couple of sentences because I think the stuff that I read um, were worth more than a couple of sentences. But this just came out yesterday and I read it. And while this may not sound like a ringing endorsement, I enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed the first issue. But it is much different in tone uh, than the first issue. It is Almighty, number two. Written and drawn by Edward LaRoche with color art by Brad Simpson. Um, if uh, Yeah, this is, again, one of those things where uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a faint um, away from the stuff that happened in the first issue. Like, it, it was the first issue I thought was more of an, a little escape, um, vignette. And then the two characters, Dell and Fail, getting to know each other. And this is a, this is more of that, but it's a different environment. Like, they're in an urban environment in this. And, uh, there's, there's mayhem and bloodshed and killing. And, um, we find out that, uh, fail likes the ladies, which is always a good thing. Um, and why her, or one of the reasons why her eyes are the way they are, but it doesn't really propel the story all that much. Uh, they're still being hunted. There are people on their trail. Um, there's an unfortunate predicament at the end of the issue involving a lot of gunplay. Uh, I enjoyed it, but it's one of those interstitial issues where you get the main beat poof, on the first issue. Maybe this is a hi-hat, and then poof, you get another big beat with the third issue. I don't know. I, I think it's still worth reading. I'm very interested in this this reality and, and these uh, people. So uh, if you're in for another, hopefully, long-running image series, uh, there's nudity in this one, too. Go uh, pick up Almighty, number two, by LaRoche and Simpson. I liked it a lot. Ed LaRoche, a buddy of mine. How do you pronounce it? LaRoche. LaRoche. Not LaRoche. LaRoche. And then Brad Simpson colors uh, Local Man and Stray Dogs. Uh, There you go. So did you read this thing? I haven't read it yet. Uh, but, but I think I haven't read it for like 10 years now because I believe he might have put this out as a black and white self-published thing years ago. Oh, what? And now uh, and now, Brad's coloring it over his grayscales because like the artwork they did it the first time around was grayscale. Wait so, a minute. Because there's a very apparent stylistic difference between his line work on the covers – and mm-hmm. his line work within the book. Could that be the... Is that why? Because this stuff has been done and now he's doing new covers? Yeah, yeah probably. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, How would we know that if you weren't here? I'm here for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sit around and know people for years. Nice. Um, LaRoche, you said. LaRoche. LaRoche. <laughs> Go get it. Uh, Almighty number two. From Image of All Places. Nice. Yeah, I have to read the second issue. Um, this is this is a bit bittersweet um, because uh, I, I saw this solicited in previous months ago. It was actually a Kickstarter um, 
but uh, Oni is publishing the story um, by Adina Norland. And unfortunately, uh, two weeks ago yesterday, she passed away. Um, this is called The Snowcat Prince. And it is beautifully illustrated. It's it's very um, not um, not necessarily Disney esque, but um, the the animals, the creatures, um, definitely kind of give off that vibe. But um, this is the story of Siv, who is a snow cat, the youngest of seven. Um, all the males are princes and Siv is the seventh male. Um, not, they're not necessarily related by blood, but they all call each other brother. Um, so when Siv's father dies, they're all in line for the throne. Um, the six brothers very eager to become Kings. Uh, and, and Siv is, but basically, the the, the snowcats are looked at uh, looked on as as royalty for for the citizens of uh, Norland, and um, Siv is very well liked by the residents, and um, and is receptive to to the people there. Uh, the brothers, the other snowcats, aren't aren't real keen on that, and they want to um, they they're. they're they're not in love with Siv, so they send him on a journey because the crown is lost. The foxes, the the the, the foxes are basically the sworn enemy of of the snowcats. And legend has it that uh, the Eld King's crown was stolen by by the foxes. And um, so the brothers tell Siv, "Go, go, go! Look for the crown. Bring the crown back. Bring the Eld King's crown back." And um, we'll all live happily ever after. So um, they don't really expect Siv to make it back. They just want Siv out and away. Um, and over time, you see that uh, any of the snowcats that did leave home, they, if they are found unworthy, a stripe appears on their back. And um, and a lot of the snowcats that Siv meets along the way they all have three stripes on their back so they've they've done things that uh that that, that would mark them unworthy but on on siv's journey he meets a little girl whose name is kit um but kit might not exactly be what she seems and um and the journey is a um it's there are definitely moments where uh, you you, you kind of get a little um, you might get a little stressed. You might uh, think things may not necessarily work out for Siv, um, but it is a uh, it's 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 a beautiful story. Um, I think uh, it 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 was a Kickstarter, um, and actually, the, the, according to the notes, um, then any any sort of research I was doing. Um, Dina had apparently designed the Snowcat Prince to just kind of be like a 30-page story um, because the, the previous Kickstarter, Grey Legs, was um, 
that was the focus on that Kickstarter and the Snowcat Prince was probably just going to be a little uh, bonus story or 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 a um, a reward tier. Uh, but it's um, it's definitely something that I absolutely would recommend. Um, there's I, I am just I'm I'm blown away by the by the art on the page. Um, there's a there's a website hushbird.com, uh, or if you just Google um, the Snowcat Prince, you'll find it. But it's hushbird.com slash the Snowcat Prince, and there's hyphens between each word. Uh, but it it, it they're breakdowns of of how the story came to be. There's there's watercolor lessons. There's YouTube clips on on the uh, process on 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 doing the story. There's a whole timeline on from concept to the publication and uh, I, the design sense for the different cats. They all seven look different. Siv is the smallest, uh, being the youngest, um, but every every snow cat looks has a unique. It's just they all have have a different face, different uh, different kind of body type. Uh, whether it's it's their um, it's it's the fur, or the face, or or, or or the tail. It just it it looks amazing. But but the story is it's not a um, it's it's not necessarily a uh, a groundbreaking story. It's 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 kind of a tale that uh, that you've seen elsewhere, kind of just packaged differently. But the way it's packaged is is what really uh, makes this sing to me. It, it's um it's it's a it's a complete story um i would love to know if uh if maybe she's going to do more in this world or with the snow cats um but it is a uh i said it's available from oni it, it was released this week actually um if you didn't back the kickstarter um but i absolutely recommend it, it it's um it could be a little um not scary but it's it's not necessarily violent but but they're definitely it, it's it's disney-esque in in some of the way in, in the way it ramps up some of the um more uh tense or dramatic moments so i do think that um it would be fine for um for most ages uh, i'm trying to see if on the back if it says it's uh, no it just says fantasy it doesn't say if it's uh it's not rated for any sort of age group but um but no i think it's uh it's something that um, anyone of any age would would enjoy, especially if you just wanted to take a look at the visuals. So yeah, in your travels, definitely recommend the Snowcap Prince by Dina Norland. I one clicked it while you were talking. That looks great. Oh, I'm glad. Damn, you got the one click. What uh, what happened, that lady? That's a terrible. Uh, yeah, she um, it 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 only put out a. Uh, press release the other day and uh and even her patreon um, so like 24 26 something like that or? no at, uh maybe in uh, 32 or something she was oh, okay yeah it's uh it's born in 90 uh, i'll someone else going I'll, I'll let you know all right uh yeah so uh this was one of those weeks it wasn't really like there wasn't a ton that i was like that i thought was banging but um but probably the most interesting thing I read was uh, in your travels, check out We Live, Volume 1. Um, it's uh, by Aftershock, and I rarely read or talk about Aftershock books. Um, but I like the solicit. It's by the Miranda Brothers. 
And uh, the cover's stunning. That's kind of what drew me in is the cover image art. I was like, oh, this looks cool. Uh, it's this, like, it's a picture of a, a very soft-looking, small, delicate, young blonde girl holding the hand of what looks to be an anthropomorphic raccoon kid. Um, once you start reading the comic, you realize actually that's her little brother who's wearing a, just wearing a costume, like because he likes costumes. It, it's so it's not anthropomorphic, but but uh, but the cover drew me with that, and and it's in they're standing on the ledge of this very lush, overgrown forest. But if you look further, you see that it's 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 all it's all um, plant life that's covering like old buildings and stuff. So it's clearly like post apocalyptic, and everything's been grown over. So I thought oh, that's cool. Like and and this you know so solicit. I was like all right, I'll give it a try. Um, so um, the premise is it's the year 2084. Uh, it is post-apocalyptic. Basically, some stuff happened that. Um, and what I one of the things I liked about it is is it's 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 not just like one thing ended the world. It's that like the world's been destroyed multiple times. Like like we destroyed it through war. Then there was an environmental calamity because of that, and then like so like we basically put everything to the ringer. And then there was an ep- a pandemic. So like basically everything's happened, and. Um, and, and and now the world it's kind of rebuilt where uh, over ninety five percent of the of the human population has been wiped out in the last few decades. But there's these uh, nine mega cities across the planet where most of of, of the remaining humanity live. Um, but aliens send a message that like, yo, um, there's another thing coming. You're not going to be able to survive this one. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to let you. We're going to send down. 5,000 pods and each pod has a armature, like a bracelet in it. And you are to give these 5,000 bracelets to 5,000 of your kids. And by this date, we will have uh, mechanisms that allow you to put the kids on these mechanisms and beam up to space where we are. And we will find a new planet for them and they can repopulate and keep your species going. So, um, so the book isn't like it's not like a Willy Wonka. You don't. It's not like they're going around like hearing stories of kids getting these bracelets. Like they 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 tell you all that, and you pop into this world where the 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 kids who have the bracelets have the bracelets, and um and it's just a few days until the deadline. Like there's a deadline where the kids have to basically go through the the teleporter or whatever they call it, uh or or they're not going to be saved. So um and and the premise is there's this old crotchety uh. Mad Max looking dude, and he's kind of like a oh, he's but he's like a bus driver. His job is basically to get a bunch of the kids from the outer areas that aren't in the mega cities that live that have the bracelets to the transporter in time. You know, he's kind of their 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 final transport and guide. And uh, as you can imagine, things don't go well. They don't go according to plan. Um, and they run into all sorts of. Um, problems and catastrophes on their quest to get these kids to safety. Um, but what I really liked was, I mean, this is a trope, an area I, I read a lot of, right? Post-apocalyptic. But I thought that the world building that Mar- the Mirandas do in terms of the creativity of the way that they, uh, they they illustrate the land is really cool. Their design for the creatures that exist in this realm are just wonderfully, like, well designed. I mean, like there's these characters, these creatures that look like uh, lions, basically, you know, they have big, big manes, but the manes are blue. And then they have, um, they have these uh, almost like angler fish, uh, bioluminescent 
tentacles coming out of their heads, which is really neat, well designed. And there's a bunch of creatures, like an ape, an ape, apian creature, but the creatures got like, um, uh, like fluorescent plumage and uh, and and like uh, glowing nodules all over its body. So it's just just really creative, interesting sci-fi design, and some some interesting heart. And I will say they keep you on your toes because a couple of the main characters that they get that you get to know in the first issue or two and you assume are the protagonists get wiped out with quickness, like completely destroyed. So you're like, Oh, I guess they're not the heroes. Um, so yeah, there was a lot to like here. And then the, 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 this is five issue. It was a five issue miniseries a few years ago. I think it came out maybe 2020. Um, the climax of the fifth issue, the final end of this hardcover uh, took me to a place I totally didn't expect um, with some of the kids and getting beamed up and what happens to them and uh, and really kind of recast the what would be the I assume the next arc of this if there ever is one in a completely different light and uh, and could be pretty dope um, but I'm not sure if we're going to get any more because I haven't seen any more it solicited exists. oh well, there's more? yeah it's oh. it, they totally flipped the switch and the second season is called Age of Palladians, and it's nothing like the first season. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's more of a Power Rangers type thing. Yeah, that, that, okay. Well, all right, so I was going to – I was trying to be – but that's the conceit. These kids, the ones we're following around, they get to the teleporter, and they get teleported up. But, like, I like you think they're just going to – go away but no they get they get like basically transmogrified into effectively yeah. like superheroes like like super sentai type of a yeah. of a thing yeah i so. love the first season not a fan of what comes next interesting okay okay yeah that's good to know yeah well i thought the hardcover was beautiful i don't know if this is the way the aftershock does most of their collections but kudos to them on that like it's definitely shelf porn it's really well designed and um yeah so i dug it like even if, if so even if I just end up reading these five issues. Like, no, you're good. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. You remember? I was. I talked about it. They did a black issue and a white issue to launch it. I do remember that now. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and then Mm -hmm. I just lost uh, any kind of interest in it when it. Yeah. It 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 felt like. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say breach of contract because I'm all for switching up things, but the the. It went from being what I saw as a. Uh, survival horror sci-fi type book to more of a superhero-y um, Power Ranger type deal. Yeah. And yeah, I was... Same. Yeah. Uh, in your travels, check out... I, this week I read issues three and four of Once Upon a Time at the End of the World. Uh, nice. By nice. Jason Aaron and Alexandri Tefengi uh, and with a little bit of Nick Dragata. And Lee Lowridge and Rico Renzi, a whole bunch of folks in this book. Um, I think this book is pretty fun. Like, uh, oh yeah, I, I'm on the fence a little bit, oh. but the promise of it is is really great. I love in issue three, like in issue one, and then again in issue three, they sort of jump forward into Dragata time, um, and the jump in issue three is fucking great. Um, but basically, this is a story about uh, Maceo and uh, Esmeralda, Mezzi, uh, and they're traveling through a, a post-apocalyptic wasteland also. Um, and they're just, uh, it's a story about how these two 
uh, kids from very different circumstance. One who's very uh, uh, one who's very uh, like hopeful and sort of like creative, and one who's very by the book and sort of uh, a pessimist. Uh, and they're they're just wandering through this wasteland. Um, and the, the promise of the title seems to uh, say that they're going to fall in love. And and we jump forward in time. We sort of, like in the first several issues there, it's that sort of like part of the story where these two unlikely characters are with each other now. And it's like they're annoyed with each other and they're sort of like they start to like each other. And so you're going to watch this whole journey of their relationship. And then and then you jump forward the way the story is being told. Everybody that's listened to this already knows. But they're doing, I think, four or six issues per artist and each artist is sort of covering like a chapter in the story so this alexandria tefengi thing starts it off and it's when they meet and then uh the nick dragata rico stuff is uh like at the end it seems like because they're both old um well so far i think we've only seen maceo and he's he's old uh and and he's just being tortured in the in the in the far future by creepy mutants um but again, this is a book where they're playing with format. You know, it's drawn by different people and different parts of it. And they're also doing fun little format stuff. Like they'll do not like the full on Hickman info pages, but they'll you'll just be reading along and then they'll stop to show you like, here's what he's got in his backpack or here's what the merit badges look like that they have in this world or, <laughs> or whatever. So it's fun little, you know, just like give you a little moment to take a pause and 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 read something that's not a part of the story it's sort of like what i was talking about the opposite of getting pulled out of a story by accident is when an author pulls you out of a story on purpose and just lets you take a beat to to look at something else before they take you into something or they're gonna hit you with something or surprise you or something right so, i think yeah, it's a crazy good book i think it's really good I think it's from Boom. Uh, it's definitely from Boom. I think it's yeah. good. My my only reservation came when I was reading issue four, um, and it start uh, and when it started getting closer to sort of like the. It's funny. It's like has the world just gotten more apocalyptic, or is this post-apocalyptic world feel too close to our world? Mm. Start talking about like virtue signaling and wokeness and stuff, and I was just like, like the bad guys are saying this. So it's like these people that, like we know reading the book, like these people are you know, heinous monsters. And then they start talking like the monsters of today. I'm just like, Oh geez. Like I get that one. That took me out in the wrong way. Uh, but I don't know what you're supposed to do. You know, like that's what fucking monsters would say. So, so I don't like, you know, what do you, what do you do? You ignore that this is happening, but it did definitely give me not pause, but it's just sort of like, I, I don't want to know that I'm reading a book when I'm reading a book, you know, like I don't want to be, I don't want to be taken out of the story. Right. So that's, that's the only thing that I had any sort of uh, reservation about or, or just sort of, and, and also I'm like, do I not like it or did I just notice it? You know, or do I think too much? Maybe I think it, too much. Well, it's like the thing Jason was saying where, where you see the matrix, right? Like, yeah, I, right now I know I'm w- reading a, a work by a person instead of just watching these two goofy kids and, and hoping that they're going to be okay. So, yeah, Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, uh, three and four. I will continue reading it. It's like I like knowing too that it's a, it's going to be a it's a finite thing, but it's a long finite thing. It's like, right, two, yeah. like I said, twelve or eighteen, I think. So that's cool. 
Yeah, I like when they uh, condense, but uh, it's like uh, four issues here or five issues, whatever it is, uh, and then take a little break, bring yeah. maybe somebody else in, do another five or six issues. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can and wait. We- We're all grown up, right? We don't have to have it you know, immediately after that first volume. What's cool with how they're doing this, too, where they're jumping forward and going to the Dragata time like years later is we know that there's something that comes in between there, too. Right. That's the end. We haven't we don't know anything about the middle. So, like, like it's exciting to just thinking, like, well, what's that going to look like and what's that going to be? And, yeah. I mean, like, how did Maceo get all fucked up and all like wh- how? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's I don't want to spoil anything, but he's got like like body modifications and like he's like, yeah. he's like weapon now like it's fucking cool weapon m yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, i like it i love jason aaron and uh um you know i'm just excited when he makes something new creator owned i haven't read the second uh goddamned same same i guess that's just sitting there waiting for me to read it too so yeah that's it's nice I find myself with too much, uh, too many singles. So what I'm doing is, um, oh, and app the uh, CLZ, the desktop, yep, still works. Yep. But not only does it still work, it still updates. It still new, syncs. It still syncs and updates new issues. So what the yes. hell were they talking about? It's not. I guess what they mean by not supported is they're not going to update the software anymore. But the software works. Yeah, I think it like you won't be able to if you went into any issues. Yeah, so they're what? Not gonna right. Yes. Yeah. So, so what? So because I was I was putting I was looking for a book and I'm like, wait a minute, Ice Cream Man number thirty four that just came out, and so I said, holy shit, it's updating the new issues and I can still bounce the shit to the cloud. Yay! So yeah, if you're cataloging books, get CLZ. Only don't expect the Mac desktop version to be updated anymore but it still works anyway so i'm putting books in and i'm like i did not read this put it aside i didn't read this put it aside and the 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 stack that i didn't read is much bigger than the stuff i'm bagging and boarding like so what i've been i'm i'm putting them aside to read them within a hope with hopes of reading all of a good chunk of the backlog that i've amassed over a lot of years. Yes. I have about 2,000 books to bag and board. And I, I would bet that maybe I haven't read 60% of them. That's stupid. Why am I still buying them? Why? I'm sure I've got that same thing. Yeah, it's so dumb. But but I, on, the, on the plus side, I'm going through and I'm like, oh, Mystery in Space by Starlin with the weird in it. Yeah, I don't have to read that. I can just... <laughs> I could just put that in a box, you know, or the, um, what was the, the, uh, series, bunch of series where they did challengers of the unknown, the immortal men. Um, Oh, the, the new DC. Yeah. The, the, yes. The, yeah. Uh, I'm just uh, like, I'm no, just like, oh. not reading any of that. See ya. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We read some of it, but I, we don't. I don't need to read the whole thing, so I'm done. Yeah. Just put that in a box too. Get rid of it. Um, but there you go. Oh boy, where am I? Yes. 
Thank you for listening to this little shindig. Uh, we got to give it on up for Master T, Mr. Tony, for being here with us yet again. We're Thank still tr- we're still trying to get him every week, but whatever. <laughs> I'd be happy to. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, go buy some comics, read them, enjoy them, uh, eat some good stuff, hug your loved ones, play with your pets, and say good. No- oh, were you, you going to say something? Me no. We didn't. We still didn't announce the book of the month. We got to get on that and do all that and say good night. Ooh, <laughs> mouth noises. I like that. That's what they call me. <laughs> Did they call you Tony Mouth Noises? <laughs> That's weird. Ah, oh, David. Good night. Screw him up. Like Screw him that. up. Make make him mess it up all day. Mm-hmm. David, do you think Jason's gone? Gone? He said he has to bounce. Yeah, he did. That seems so final. Uh, there you go, David. Nice. Good job. Thanks. We will be back ASAP. PDQ. So come back. We'll have beverages and sandwiches and comics waiting for you. And uh, because they they love you, so tell them. You love them, like, a whole lot. Oh, we love you so much. That's it for that one. <laughs>